This is the Movie Hall of Fame for Thursday, August 8th, 2019. Across the table from me, Adam Hall, as usual. Mm-hmm. And strumming his air guitar. <laughs> he's back yet again. Yeah. For round two. He's coming back for second. This is Jabril. Hey, everybody. Yeah, except this time he's actually in studio, goddammit. He actually here. made his three-hour trek <laughs> to the studio today. So how long is it actually from Stratford? It is a little over an hour. Okay, okay. So it's kind of... Well, it's quite a trek, yes. I have to admit. That is much longer than I would go to do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, I'm the one who has to make the, the commutes, generally speaking, but mm-hmm. he's got me beat now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, uh, I'm definitely not that committed to the podcast, and I know Adam sure as hell ain't that committed well, to the podcast, so... How do you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, thank God we have at least one person that cares about this show. Aww. Um, you actually may care about the content on Too Many Thoughts Media more than anyone else in the world. I do. I think so. <laughs> yeah. You certainly spend the most time listening to the podcast. I do. Yeah. yeah. I do. How long have you been listening to Too Many Thoughts? Two years on and off. Oh, sorry. Yeah, two, two years on and off. I need to get closer to the mic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> two years on and off. How much time a week would you estimate you listen to the content here? Eight hours, maybe. Wow. Wow. Where wow. do you find the time? I re-listen to podcasts, too, and I Ooh. I fall asleep listening to podcasts, so that's... <laughs> wow. So wow. Maybe... maybe... <laughs> wow. <Everybody>, wow. <laughs> I didn't know you guys did the Wilson Brothers. <laughs> oh, yeah. The two of you should go on tour as, as the Wilsons. Literally, all I can say is, wow. 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 <laughs> Owen and Luke. <laughs> I wonder who's who out of the two Ooh. of you. Mm. I don't. I don't want to be either. Like, <laughs> who wants to be the, the Wilson brothers? Ugh, ugh. Who would you rather be, Owen or Luke? Uh, I, don't, I don't know who Luke is really that well. I know Owen, but I, wow, that's really it. <laughs> I think I'd rather be Luke. Yeah, I think you're right, and yeah. I think you're more of a Luke than an Owen. If yeah, I'm being honest with you. Yeah, yeah. And I think fine. he's more of an Owen. Mm. Yeah. Okay. He well. belongs in X amount of uh, uh, Wes Anderson films. Exactly right. Yeah. And I, where, where do I belong in Idiocracy? I still haven't mm-hmm. seen that, by the way. Fabulous film. <laughs> now that we got that out of the way, <laughs> um, we need to just dive right in yeah. because, wow, this list, wow. This, <laughs> there you go. This list of six movies is going to lead to some compelling conversation, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I, I very much agree. We're talking about the year 1954 and these six movies nominated for induction. We should set the ground rules right away. Does mm-hmm. Jabril have a hand in what gets in and what doesn't, Adam? Well, I think he, he should have some say. Okay. okay. Otherwise, what's the point of having him on? So this yeah. is now a committee of three making this decision? <laughs> Just today, Just sure. Just today, yeah, yes. Sure. I don't like that too much. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Can I gerrymander this? <laughs> <laughs> what are you afraid of, Nico? Can I bring in another member? <laughs> this is like the Supreme Court changing hands. What, you're, you're worried that we're going gonna, gonna to team up on you? Yes, that's exactly what I'm worried about. I'm nervous like, about this. I mean, I already know where your mind is. It's it's fairly obvious. I have a feeling we yeah. might pick the same thing. I have a feeling. Oh, no. I'm not sure. Oh, but no. we'll see. <sighs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's going to be one of two. It's going to be one of two. You fucking whores. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see what it is. Here are your six movies nominated for induction to the Movie Hall of Fame. Dial M for Murder. Rear Window. A Star is Born. Godzilla. On the waterfront, and seven samurai. Mm. This is the oldest year we've ever done. Good list, mm. very good mm. list. I think. What do you think, Jabril? Oh yeah. yeah, not the best, but pretty good. Yeah, I'd say so too. Yeah, pretty good. I Some of the best. Agree with that. Yeah. 
Let's play a game. Mm. Highest grossing movie of 1954 is one of these six movies. What is it? Rear Window. What's your guess? Mm. On the waterfront. Rear Window. Oh, oh shit. Number yeah. one. Sweet. Uh, nothing else even made the top ten. Wow. Mm, it's wow. followed by White Christmas, 20,000 Leagues mm. Under the Sea, Demetrius and the Gladiators, and the Kane Mutiny. Wow. Damn. Those are the highest grossing movies mm. from 1954. Mm. Uh, the Oscars. Interesting year. Winner of Best Picture. Of these five nominees, Three Coins in the Fountain, Seven Bridges for Seven Brothers, The Country Girl, mm. and The Cane Mutiny were all nominated except On the Waterfront takes home Best Picture, yep. 1954, as does Elia Kazan, director of On the Waterfront for Best Director. Mm-hmm. Marlon Brando wins Best Actor. Mm. Grace Kelly wins Best Actress, not for Dial M for Murder, mm-hmm. not for Rear Window, mm-hmm. but a movie called The Country Girl. Mm. And three um, times was she nominated three times or just the one? Just the one. Okay. Jeez. I will admit I have not seen the Country Girl. Neither have I. Mm. But I am highly skeptical of that decision, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get to that in just a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Best supporting actor goes to Edmund O'Brien for the Barefoot Contessa, and Eva Saint Marie, or I'm sorry, Eva Marie Saint. Saint. Yes. Well, you knew that shit. Yes, I did. Damn, oh God, dude. he likes his classic film. <laughs> Damn, we're about to be one upped on this oh, podcast. Yeah, get ready. Crazy. Hunker down, Adam. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, on the Waterfront mm. wins Best Supporting Actress. Yes. Pretty rightfully so, though. I think they got it right. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about it. Mm. Um, some honorable mentions. All of these are movies that I have not seen. <laughs> so okay. I'll just read them. Go ahead. Here's a list of movies from 1954 <laughs> that I hear are pretty good. <laughs> White Christmas, The Cane Mutiny, Creature from the Black Lagoon, which I am mm. shocked you did not nominate. Mm, I was thinking about it uh, in retrospect, retrospect, and maybe I shouldn't. I should have nominated it because I was thinking about Dial M for Murder, and as, uh, we'll talk about my feelings about that film. But I was like, mm. you know, uh, th- th- there is a place here for Creature from the Black Lagoon, honestly, next to something like Dial M for Murder. So. Okay. Twenty thousand leagues under the sea. Them exclamation mm. point at the end. The Barefoot Contessa and Sabrina. Jabril, have you seen any of those movies? No. Great. Let's move on. (laughs) National Film Registry inducts these films from the year 1954. I should note, only American films get into the National Film Registry. Carmen Jones. Ever heard of it? Yeah, I think. I have. Okay. Johnny Guitar. No. Maybe. Sabrina, as we said. Salt of the Earth. Oh, yeah. Uh, No. I've heard of Salt of the Earth. Seven Bridges for Seven Brothers. Never heard of it. it. No. (laughs) (laughs) On the Waterfront. Rear Window and A Star is Born. Cool. Um, A lot of movies from that year. Want to dive in? Sure. All right. All right. So we got two Hitchcock movies, Mm -hmm. two Japanese movies, and uh, two classics. I would say that's what we're headed towards. Mm -hmm. Let's start with one of those Hitchcock movies. Let's Mm -hmm. get both out of the way because I think this would be an interesting comparison. It's a very interesting comparison. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Have we done Hitchcock? You guys haven't done any Hitchcock, right? We certainly haven't done any Hitchcock. The only no, no. I was th- I was wondering if we did 1960, but we didn't do that. No, we never went that far. This back. is the first time you guys have done uh, a filmmaker with two films. That's what I'm saying. Wow. Yeah. Oh my god, a lot of firsts for us. We're breaking records here. Yeah. This is a pivotal <laughs> moment in the movie hall of fame. Right. We're also going to break the record for shortest time I lose my temper on Adam Hall. <laughs> really? Get ready for that. Record. Oh my god. No, I'm kidding. Uh, let's start with Dial M for Murder. Directed by Alfred Hitchcock, based on the play by Frederick Knott, starring Ray Milland, Robert Cummings, John Williams, 
and Grace Kelly. Nominated for zero Oscars. Rightfully so. I was about to say, yes. <laughs> number 48 on AFI's all-time thrills list and number nine on their all-time mysteries list. A tennis player frames his unfaithful wife for first-degree murder after she inadvertently hinders his plan to kill her. I'd never seen this movie before. Mm-hmm. Had you, Jabril? I'd seen part of it a long time ago. And I had seen it. Okay. Yep. So let's start with Jabril then. What'd you think? First reactions. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> He's a regular Steven Soderbergh, this Hitchcock guy. He does two films in one year. One's better than the other. Mm. This was his Aaron Brockovich to his uh, rear window being his traffic, right? Well, I like Aaron Brockovich a lot more than Traffic. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or maybe vice versa, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, oh what? Do you Ooh. not like Aaron Brockovich? I've never seen it, actually. Oh, oh okay. 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 I've like... never seen Traffic either. It's... Okay, no. Aaron Brockovich is by far oh and away God. a better movie it's, than Traffic. It's not okay. even a comparison. Night okay. and day. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I think you're right, though, yeah. that uh, they, they are very... Uh, they're very efficient in their movie making. Mm-hmm. They make a lot of movies in a short period of time. And yes, it is. Uh, it is no surprise that two movies from Alfred Hitchcock are nominated. Yes, in the same Ooh, year. You know what? We know it's a better comparison. This is uh, his Jurassic Park to his Schindler's List being Rear Window. Word. That's mm. better. That's yeah, better I could. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, it's interesting because in a lot of ways they're similar films, which we'll which we'll yeah. talk about in terms of just. Uh, in terms of mecha- mechanics yeah. of how the films operate and how small they ultimately are, but how they play off of those ideas and just like getting as much out of a small premise, one does it significantly better than the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was actually stunned by this. I think Rear Window is so far and away a better movie. Yeah. Um, is this the first time you'd seen Rear Window? No, I had seen okay. Rear Window years ago. Okay. Probably for college, I think. I might have done it for a film class. Mm. Um, Dial in for Murder just watched two days ago. Okay. I think it's an entertaining mystery that mm-hmm. is elevated by good direction. Mm-hmm. Basically takes place in one room. Mm-hmm. Yes. Most of the plot does. Uh, all the other stuff is sort of yada yada over. Feels like a play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could tell it feels like a play. Mm. And this is what sort of struck me about Hitchcock. You know, we remember him as this great auteur and great visionary and mm-hmm. iconic film mind. But he's kind of just a studio guy, isn't he? Oh, God. He made mm. some of the best trash that <laughs> was ever produced. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. He's sort of just a hired hand. Mm-hmm. And I think about it now. You mentioned Steven Soderbergh. Mm-hmm. Soderbergh would it sort of dabbles in the studio system. But not really. But really makes movies for himself. If Hitchcock were around today, he'd be making MCU movies. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, essentially. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> no, he would, right? <laughs> no, he's very much the, I mean, did, I'm not saying in terms of the kinds of films that he made, but in terms of how he fit into the studio system, he was very much like the Spielberg of yeah, his time. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, he would, he's obviously a way better director than the Russo brothers, yeah. but they sort of fill a similar role in that he took material that was well received elsewhere. Mm-hmm. This play was very successful. I think it ran in London. Um, and I believe the guy John Williams, who plays the detective in the movie, won the Tony Award for that play. I think so, yes. Um, I think, and he just adapts it and makes it commercially viable and gets big stars involved. And yes, I think it is elevated material, certainly, mm-hmm. but this is just another <clears throat> limited storytelling mystery, right? Yeah, it's, no, it's, yeah. It's fine. Like, it's it's a nice little contained thriller. It's it's like if you shrink the ambitions of a Coen Brothers film down, like, like, I don't know, 
like down at least like three notches, <laughs> whatever that means. But it, right. it feels like something they could have made when they when the Coens were in like like college or something. Right. Does that make sense? No, really. but I'll go no, with it. I, I feel like it kind of does. No, I feel like in premise it sort of fits that sort of twisted mindset that they like. It doesn't have their sense of humor at all. No. But again, in, in terms of just the, the story itself, I always felt like this is something I guess the Coens could have maybe conceived before they decided to make better movies. Yeah, I think you're right. You could have gone a little further with the comedy because it, it it's sort of a Lady Killers vibe, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. It's a similar thing. It's like disgruntled... Uh, a Which traditional male figure yeah. mm-hmm. seeks revenge on his wife yep. and goes to elaborate means to frame her from because <laughs> they're really elaborate plot. There's a lot of stuff, and even to summarize this for the podcast, I don't think I could do that. There are so many yeah. little red herrings and clues mm-hmm. and and breadcrumbs that are brought a- along the way in order to keep the the viewer uh, on the edge of their seat. So. It's it's a very tangled thing. It's not particularly character driven, and I again wouldn't call it a master script. Uh-uh. I think no. again the direction is very good, but man, there are a ton of movies like this. Well, it's a director's film more than anything, and I mean I have to praise it for at least that the fact that it can be so clear, even though it's dealing with so many elements. I mean I see films like this get made, but they have no idea how to handle you know plot element X Y Z and so on and so forth. Mm. I mean they're just convoluted as all hell, and they're confusing, and you just don't you stop following them right at a certain point because you're like this is, this is just not working for me because they're not transmitting any of these ideas properly. But mm-hmm. Hitchcock is very very good at planting. Yes, which I love in his films. Another great example of that is Notorious with Ingmar Bergman. Never and, seen. Oh, it's it's very very good. But um, and he does that uh, honestly in most of his films quite well. And maybe his best example of that is North by Northwest. Yes, which is like the convoluted spy thriller plot. I mean, it's right. mistaken identity and all that other stuff. Yeah. And normally, I find films like that to just be again like like hard to follow. And they're usually elevated by just solid characters, but Hitchcock is able to make uh, plots like that, I don't know, far more co- coherent than they would normally be. Yeah. And that's ever present here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, North by Northwest is also a big feeling movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the, we should note that 1954 was like right before Hitchcock became the most sought after director in the world. Mm-hmm. Right. So he does some good stuff. Strangers on a Train. I love Strangers on a Train. Rope. He did all that stuff late 40s, early 50s. Have you seen Rope? Have not. <laughs> See, in, in all honesty, Rope feels like a better version of this. Really? Rope is awesome. Um, and then this year does Dial in for Murder in Rear Window. But then you got to go until 19... Let's 16. see. It's it's 58, actually. Okay. You have Vertigo, 58. Oh, yeah. North right. by Northwest, 59. Mm. And then Psycho in 1960. Mm, good run, Jesus. I think that is the best run. It's <laughs> one of the best runs. It's incredible. It's almost as good as Godfather 1, Godfather 2, The Conversation, Apocalypse Now. It's what pre- happened to Godfather 3? No, we're not talking about Godfather okay. 3. <laughs> I don't hate the Godfather 3, Jesus. Incredible run. <laughs> so, yeah, I, here's some interesting things for you. Mm. This movie originally intended to be released in 3D. (laughs) You know, I can kind of see it. (laughs) Was shot in 3D. The audience members started walking out of the theater in like the initial screenings. So they scrapped the whole 3D idea and they just kept it 2D and then it became commercially viable again. It feels like something that that would maybe have that gimmick slapped on it. But at the same time, I wonder why does it need to be 3D? (laughs) Well, I guess the whole thing was the telephone when you 
zoom in on the M on the number six or whatever it is. Oh, the God. dial M for murder Give part. So 3D was just as pointless back then as it is now. Yes. It's not as pointless in Friday the 13th part three, damn it. It's not? <laughs> Best 3D film ever made. Yeah, okay. there's Where they like they stab through a girl and the machete comes out and whoa, it comes towards the camera. <laughs> Woo, it's so cool. It's and just, you know, that's the movie. Better than Jaws 3? Jaws 3D? No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Don't you ever say that. <laughs> Mm. Um, another note for you. Mm. Has any human being in the history of mankind ever been more beautiful than Grace Kelly? Yes. I'll give you a second. Margot Robbie. No. Mm. Nah, bro. Literally anybody else. Nah, bro. <laughs> mm. Grace fucking Kelly. Oh my God, what a smoke in this movie. I'm actually... More... I prefer her in Rear Window. She's hotter than Oh, that. yeah. yeah I'm, I'm a little more attracted to Ingmar Bergman, actually. The director, Ingmar Bergman? <laughs> yes. You mean Ingrid, Ingrid, Ingrid Bergman? Ingrid Bergman. <laughs> well, Ing- Ingmar Freudian Bergman. slip. Yeah, well. Ooh, Ingmar Bergman. Yeah. Which oh, of you Adam, masturbated to? I love you all my films. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've dreamt of so many nights playing chess with him on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> with a cloaked man next to me. <laughs> Nobody gets that reference aside from probably you. <laughs> I got the reference. Okay, good, good. Don't worry. I know the movie. <laughs> yeah. Great yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's Dial M for Murder. I thought it was fine. It's solid. Yeah. No, it's, it is yeah. what it is. It's solid. It's entertaining. Yeah. It's a little goofy. The, the premise is sort of ridiculous. and There's a lot of twists and turns, but mm-hmm. not a bad watch. But when I re- thought about it again, I was like, you know, there, there is something to be said about this movie next to like Creature from the Black Lagoon. It might, mm. Creature from the Black Lagoon might be a little bit better for what it's going for. Yeah. So I'm not sure it's a more Nico movie, though. Mm. You, uh, I don't know. I, I honestly think you probably would have watched it and just been like, it is what it is. That's okay. a 50s monster movie. All right. Next. Let's talk Rear Window. Oh, yeah. yeah. Rear Window. Also directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Also starring Grace Kelly, along with James Stewart and Wendell Corey. Nominated for Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Cinematography, and Best Sound at the Academy Awards, number 14 on AFI's all-time thrills list, mm-hmm. number three on their mysteries list, and number 42 on their all-time movie list. You're forgetting somebody. Did you mention Raymond Burr? Uh, apologies, Raymond Burr. because well, I'm going to talk about Raymond Burr a little later. Okay, Raymond Burr is... I was about to say there's an interesting uh, <laughs> the connection. thread here. Yeah, we'll get to, we'll get to that. You're, you forgot this also stars David Lynch. <laughs> don't worry about it say what now <laughs> uh, Mel Brooks when he started working with Lynch on the Elephant Man told uh, he says that David Lynch is uh, Jimmy Stewart from Mars and now this movie solidified that in my mind that's totally true there's Earthbound Lynch which is James Stewart Jimmy Stewart and then there is Marsbound Jimmy Stewart which is David Lynch I totally, I totally see it now. <laughs> what a theory. Can you see it? Can you see it now? Come up on the mic. Um, <laughs> can you see it now? Do it one more time, please. Jimmy Stewart, David Lynch. I buy it. Okay. I, I'm sold. Uh, <laughs> I, I have no idea what we just did. <laughs> I have no idea what that just was, but I'm Ask down with Mel it. Brooks. Okay. Will do. Will do. A wheelchair-bound photographer spies on his neighbors from his apartment window and becomes convinced one of them has committed murder. Um, here's what I'll say about Rear Window, and then you guys can do your David Lynch thing, whatever the fuck that is. Um, one location. Mm-hmm. The whole thing 
I believe, is from the perspective of Jimmy Stewart's apartment, right? Yes. Does the camera ever leave that apartment? Nope. No. Don't think except it does. Except when he falls, except when he gets pulled down. I think right. briefly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But for the most part, yeah, limited as all sto- storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. On paper, you would think, why not just make that a play? Yeah. And it's interesting that we're talking about it uh, in uh, juxtaposed to Dial M for Murder, mm-hmm. which was based on a play. Yes. The thing that I adore about Rear Window and why I think it's a masterpiece mm-hmm. is that it is a small as hell story that takes place on one location, mm-hmm. but you could never make it a play. Mm-mm. It is a movie through and through. Mm-hmm. There is too much to the point of view. There's too much to what the ca- the camera's doing, the 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 suspense, the tenseness of the direction. Quieter moments. The quiet. Yeah, you couldn't do this on the stage. Mm-hmm. It has to be a movie. It. It's all about perspective. Right. Quite literally, yeah. It's a movie about what you see and what you don't see. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do that on a, on a play because a play is eye of God. <laughs> Your you, audience sees everything and there's one perspective. Yeah. This is just a masterwork and it's perhaps the smallest masterwork I've ever seen. Mm. As far as like contained thrillers, because like, I, I say that a lot on this podcast, how much I love contained thrillers, but yeah. this is one of, if not the best, mm-hmm. honestly. I think it would be the archetype, yeah. Well, there's a lot of movies that draw from it. Even still, you get a lot of movies that tend to uh, copy it. I mean, I think that was the most recent one. Disturbia. Disturbia. Yes. Disturbia, yeah. Jerry LaBeouf. Oh, yeah. Well, Disturbia was a remake of Rear Window, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I guess kind of, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, 2007. Did you see Disturbia? Yes. Of course I did. I saw it in theaters, I think. Yes. Is it good? Uh, Maybe not. I haven't seen it in a long time. I saw it recently, like two years ago. And I remember it being a lot worse than I thought it was when I first saw it. <laughs> okay. I don't think it's bad, but eh, mm. uh, uh, eh, mm. So, yeah. I, I mean, that's really the thing that struck me the most. Like Reservoir Dogs, for example, that takes place in mostly one room, mm-hmm. and it's contained, and it's tense. But you could have made Reservoir Dogs a play, couldn't you? Sure. Mm. Convincingly? Mm. You can't make Rear Window a play. Mm-hmm. It's a movie. It's just a really tiny, tiny movie. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he can do so much with that little. Yep. It's maybe not Hitchcock's best movie, mm-hmm. but it certainly his most impressive movie. Maybe, yeah. I mean, uh, this movie is just like, uh, I don't know, it sort of exemplifies how good he is at manipulating his audience. Yeah. I mean, there's just a thousand shots of this, of, uh, of Jimmy Stewart just looking around and pointing out the many red herrings that are all around his apartment complex. Right. Mm-hmm. One of them includes actually Alfred Hitchcock with a man in, in a... <laughs> in a rooftop helping him play the piano or something yes, like that. Yeah, that's right. Just like stuff like that where you're never quite sure where the actual focus is until it's like kind of too late. Right. I really, really love moments like that. And it's actually kind of surprising. Like generally speaking, I, I it takes me – I'm pretty good at picking up on what the movie is going to do, like what the twist is going to be. But this movie actually kind of threw me for a loop for a while. Well, there's not really a twist. No, it's just like figuring out what exactly this man did. Right. You know? I mean, you know he killed her, but you're like, wait, how did he do – how could he have if he was here and, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I love the red herrings because that's how life works. Mm-hmm. You know, you never know what the most significant or insignificant details are. Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes the thing that when, when you say that a movie is over directed or that it holds the audience's hand, that's mostly what you're referring to. It's like hitting you in the head with a detail mm-hmm. rather than subtly hinting at that detail. Because in life, when you're walking down the street, and something significant happens, mm. normally it's happening behind a closed door, mm-hmm. behind a window. It's sort of out of frame. 
there's no music cue, there's no camera angle that clues you in on, this is an important thing to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love so much about the direction here. That camera is constantly moving as James Stewart's eyes are darting back and forth mm-hmm. at this mm-hmm. acar- uh, apartment complex. And he's looking at this party because the party's interesting him. Mm-hmm. And then there's this woman dancing. Mm-hmm. And then there's this other woman that's trying to kill herself. And- the newly married couple. Yeah, the newly married couple that's fighting over the mattress outside, and that's life. They're all significant, or at least they all feel significant, and the question is weeding out the significant from the insignificant. Exactly. You know? I think this film's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and I love Jimmy Stewart in it. Uh, I'm not in love with Grace Kelly, though. Really? No. Well, I'm in love with Grace Kelly, but it has nothing to do with her performance. Yes, I was going to say she's beautiful, but I'm talking about her as an actress. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. She's good in this. I like her. Yeah. Like, in, in my opinion, she's one of the weaker Hitchcock blondes. Well, and, and there's a ton of them. Aren't most <laughs> Hitchcock blondes Grace Kelly, though? Uh, no. <laughs> she's no. in a lot of his movies, isn't she? No, no. Who's she's the not. best Hitchcock blonde? Uh, it's not Tippi Hedren. It's, oh. um... <laughs> <laughs> the birds. Jesus Christ. Uh, Ingrid. Well, she wasn't really a blonde. The, the, the woman in North by Northwest is pretty great. Mm. Uh, who I think is also in on the is she in on the waterfront? Is that is the that love? Marie, Marie Saint? I think so. Yeah. Oh. Is she in North by Northwest? I think so. She yeah. Might be, yeah. Let me check that out real quick. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Nice. Yes. Good call, guys. Yeah. So there What's you your go. Favorite Hitchcock cameo, Adam. Uh, when he misses, does is he the one who misses the bus? Like, the, what's that from? I think the birds. Is it from I'm, the birds? I'm pretty sure it's the birds. I, I love or, that. No, he's in the pet store in the birds. I think. Is that strange? It might be strangers on a train. Maybe. Whatever. Yeah. All I know is the strangers <laughs> on a train is maybe my favorite Hitchcock film, and okay. I love that film to death. Really? I fucking mm. adore strangers on a train. Wow. Yeah. How would you go? What What would you rank them? It's probably Psycho, but then Strangers on a Train, then North by Northwest, and then this, and okay. then Vertigo is like five. To me, like Vertigo is clear number one. Mm. Mm. Not quite. Really? Not quite. Like, maybe it's not my favorite, but that's, like, the master. Oh, as far as, like, his best, it's probably yeah. maybe his best film. Yeah. I love how he shoots San Francisco in that. Yeah, me too. You know, I just, it's the de facto San Francisco movie for me. Yeah. Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, then I, I might go Rear Window too. Mm. Really? I, I'm not, like, in love with Psycho, like a lot of people are, but mm. it's not really my genre, and I know what it is, but it's, the problem with Psycho, you can't watch it for the first time with a clean slate. You've seen the shower scene before you see the movie. Yes, you know, and you know the plot before. So I don't think I did. I think I may have been unspoiled the first time I saw. Wow, it. I'm pretty sure. What? That's amazing. I think I was a young boy when I saw it. <laughs> young man. Oh well, that's the other thing is that I definitely saw it when I was quite young. Too. Yeah. Damn, dude. Yeah. That's crazy. I love. I love Psycho. Mm-hmm. Except for the very end when he's explaining what's wrong with Norman. That scene sucks. Right. Mm-hmm. But aside yeah. from that, keep him shrouded in mystery. That's just mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I hate when they overexplain. But Gus Van Sant's film. Masterpiece. Oh, yeah. That's the best Hitchcock movie, right? Yeah, yeah. That and The Lion King. Yeah. <laughs> what else do you want to say about Hitchcock? Uh, fat man. He's a, he's a fat man, and he's despised by Quentin Tarantino. What? Yeah. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino hates him. Fuck Tarantino. <laughs> okay. I still haven't been able to figure that out, you know. I don't understand. What he once said, I, he was talking about... Um, his relationship with Brian De Palma as a filmmaker. And he was commenting on, he feels like Brian De Palma is a better version of Hitchcock because he, he believes... He's a much better... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck 
you, Tarantino. <laughs> that sounded like Porky Pig for a second. That was good. No, it, but he was he was basically saying like Brian De Palma was allowed to explore certain facets that Hitchcock was never allowed to explore. So therefore, Brian De Palma is better. <laughs> That's a bullshit reason. Is it more? Is it because he's more salacious in some of the subject matter? He's allowed to get away with more because he's not in the studio system as Hitchcock was, or is it a different time kind of thing? I think it's just a different time. Right, that's what it sounds like to me. It doesn't sound like Hitchcock's fault. No, I I was saying, like, I feel like if Hitchcock was around during the time of Brian De Palma, he he would... Well, mm. No, I mean not no. to the eighties. They overlapped a little bit, yeah. but all of his master work came out before Thomas did. The point that Tar- well, Tarantino even goes on to say like like people's master work is defined by like a certain era. Yeah, you know. So for all intents and purposes, Hitchcock was not really around in mm. the seventies, right? Yeah. Um, no, I just think you have to look at it from the perspective of this guy is a studio hand. Yeah, you know, he is a steward for other people's material. Yeah, and added his own artistry in there, but. Mm-hmm. It's a different time, man. There were no auteurs before 1970, really. You know, in well, Europe, in Europe, when uh, well, in Europe, there was, the auteur, was Francois Truffaut the author well, of the auteur theory? Sorry, was he? well, the the thing is, is that Hitchcock might have been the first certifiable auteur because Truffaut ends up writing about uh, Hitchcock's method yes. and how he sees this as like his own separate films, and it belongs to Hitchcock. And you can start to identify styles, and a g- good way to explore that is just by looking at this one filmmaker's filmography. Yeah. So I don't know if you could consider Hitchcock the first auteur, but he was certainly the first to be like labeled mm-hmm. auteur. Right. And then you get like the Godards and the Truffauts and you know the Antolinis and whatnot. Yeah. So. Uh- if we go back to this era, which we will eventually, mm-hmm. um, we're going to be talking a lot more about Hitchcock. Yeah. Because I don't think either of these movies will be getting into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, which but is sad. It's, it's okay. He'll have a chance. Mm. And I'm sure he'll be led in eventually. <laughs> All right. Let's mm. talk A Star is Born. Ooh. A hmm. Star is Born. Star is dead. Yeah. It's true. Everybody in this movie is dead. Every fucking one of them. Good riddance. <laughs> no. Judy Garland. No. I love you, Judy Garland. Don't say that. So, the second A Star is Born movie, mm-hmm. there have been two since. It's been remade four times. Mm. Um, it is only the second Star is Born movie that I have ever seen. It's the second best. Mm. Oh, fuck. Let's talk about that. Mm. Directed by George Kakor. Starring Judy Garland and James Mason. Nominated for Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, Best Original Song, and Best Original Score at the Academy Awards. Won none of them. Number 43 on AFI's all-time love story list. Number 11 on their all-time songs list for the song The Man That Got Away. And number 7 on their all-time musical list. A film star helps a young singer and actress find fame even as age and alcoholism send his own career on a downward spiral. If you saw the new Star is Born movie, the plot is not that much different other than really. you take the country singer in Bradley Cooper out and you replace him with James Mason, who is a movie star. Yes. So it's a movie star and a singer, not a singer and a singer. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam, you go first. You saw this for the first time, right? Yes. Okay. Talk to me. Uh... Well, it's um well it's from a different time. It is. Very much so. There are a lot of strange technical things going on in this movie, mm. particularly with montage sequences. Oh, yes. Uh, there's, a, there's a reason for that. Yes. And I feel like I know exactly why why that happened. But um um all in all though it's 
pretty good. Hmm. I like the movie. I like it a lot, actually. I think it's very good. It's, I, but it made me appreciate the 2018 A Star Is Born a lot more. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Because you're right, it 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 does cover a similar plot and even cover, covers almost like specific moments that the 2018 one covers. It doesn't do it with the same level of intimacy, though. Right. Which is problematic for me. But the biggest problem with this movie, honestly. Uh, as much as I, I love various elements about it, I, I, do, I quite like the way it's shot, and I, I love the music, and I absolutely fucking adore uh, uh, Judy Garland in this movie. Um, it, I, I cannot like James Mason. Ooh. Ooh. What? I, 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 not that I think he's a bad actor, it's just his character in this is just despicable. Huh. I'm like, yeah, you suck, man. <laughs> I'm like, I... It, not like it's not like John Cassavetti's faces or anything where I'm like literally every person in this movie can go to hell, but <laughs> or go to L as one person says. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, it's it's I don't know. Maybe it's because I've seen James Mason in, a, in far more like like negative roles where he has to play the villain, like like he's a total piece of shit in Lolita. Lolita, yes, and, he, and he's a he's fabulous in Lolita. Oh my though. god, yeah. Oh my god, he's awesome in that movie. But in the, similarly in North by Northwest, he, he plays the bad guy in that. And I'm just, I don't know. Maybe it's because of how I'm, I'm accustomed to seeing the guy, and I just think he's so well cast as a villain. And even in this, he's just, he's just kind of a prick. So are you sort of peeved by the fact that Judy Garland defends this dude? No. <laughs> Is that like, like do, you don't buy that she would fall in love with him and that she would bring him to AA or whatever they called it in 1954? And... No, not entirely. I think the jump of her saying she loves him was a little quick. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, no. I mean, I, I can understand why she'd be as grateful for him and why she might be attracted to, you know, some of his elements of, I don't know, like, I don't know how you would describe that, but he's certainly powerful. Well, he's charismatic. Very, yeah, charming enough. Very charming. But again, like I, I kept thinking about the 2018 one, and I'm like, it, like, like, like it's not quiet, right, at, at all. And and those moments where you would get a sense of this person falling in love with this person aren't really there. They just say that they're in love. And there's no, there's not a lot of pathos to it. No, no. Good word. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I don't think the word pathos has ever been said on this podcast, but you're, you're breaking down barriers. But, you, but you're right, though, is the thing. Mm. I don't know. There is something missing, and I, I, I think I maybe should have watched it like like a little, little more adjusted. Like, okay, it's 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 from this era. It's doing things slightly differently. It's right. catering to a very different audience. So it's a big production. Yeah. Mm. They are on elaborate sound stages, and they are uh, performing in front of big crowds, and there are very over-the-top musical numbers, and it's very pronounced, and the performances are such. It's an old-school Hollywood movie, and yeah. it's a spectacle, and it's movie stars. and So, yes, you do have to keep in mind the era. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to tell you, though, man, mm-hmm. uh, Judy fucking Garland. Yeah. Holy shit! Could be one of the greatest female performances I've ever seen in my life, and that's the thing that was really making me carrying me forward through this entire film. I was like, for my for my spotty criticisms here and right. there, she's so good. Oh my lord, she's unbelievable. And look, I like Lady Gaga in the new movie, but wow, Judy Garland. I, and I alluded to this when we were talking about the Oscars earlier. How the fuck does Grace Kelly beat Judy Garland at the Oscars? <laughs> Again, I haven't seen that movie that, that Grace Kelly was in, 
But this is a tour de force performance. Oh my god! The musical numbers, the 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 charisma that she oozes, and the humanity to her character, and the whole journey, and watching her be rejected by studio heads and pushed around the system, and she makes that leap to stardom, and you're with her the entire time because she feels so real. Yep, I adore her in this movie. It's such a tremendous performance, and I know at the time. She was plagued by some demons. She was, I believe, on the set of this movie, heavily addicted to, I think it was sleeping pills. Obviously, she died of an overdose in 1969, so it's a tragic story. Um, But, man, I think maybe she brought some of those demons to work, and it Mm. worked out, you know? She's just incredible in this. I know. Um, So, whatever you want to say about the movie, and I'm with you on some of those criticisms, her dynamic performance at the center carries me through the entire way and i actually really like this movie a lot no i do too i don't want to sell it short like i do quite like the film there's just like i have to i have to note what i don't like about the film before i get into like what i do like because i do like quite a bit about the film and again like church like just it's it's one of those instances where like almost every scene she's in it just makes the scene amazing yeah like especially the scene where um uh, she's back in the house and she's giving him a a run-through of what she did in that day and she's giving a little musical number and you know she pulls the 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 leopard skin over her and stuff like that like it makes me love james mason in that scene yeah so so that's a big compliment to the film in in the sense that this one character (laughs) basically makes the entire movie work for me right yeah, because I, I, I quite enjoyed it. I loved at the beginning when she's at the bar with her band. Mm. And I think that's the scene where she sings The Man That Got Away. Yep. That's just like, that's movie star shit, man. Yep. It's like you could have done this on stage. You could have done this on screen. I could have just been listening to you and not looking at you, and you would have blown me away. Mm-hmm. It just, she's oozing talent out of every vein. She's incredible in this. Yep. You know, and it's really too bad that there are not more iconic Judy Garland roles. I know course she died too young she never got that next stage of her career it's too bad um and wizard of oz she was like a baby in so it's an iconic performance but you know for her smaller role in it she's excellent in judgment at nuremberg okay never seen she's so good in that movie so freaking good she's incredible man she is not talked about in that class with the hepburns and with the grace kelly's and with the bergman's and it's too bad though because i mean i think about like james dean's right right he only did three movies and yet he's consistently regarded as one of the greatest actors who's ever lived. Right. But I'm like, why not Ju- someone like Judy Garland, who yeah. did significantly more films? Sure. So I, and I think is every bit as good an actor as James Dean, if not better. Mm. When I was watching it, they, like she looks so much like her daughter in this movie. It's crazy. She yeah. Exactly. Like I, Cause I love cabaret. Yep. I fucking adore cabaret. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, she looks exactly like Liza Minnelli. It's yep. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Similar look, the sort of short haircut, mm-hmm. the, the black hair, you know, the, yeah. The girl next door look. Cause she's not gorgeous in this movie, but she, you know, she's got that like, lo- it's sort of similar to Lady Gaga and Barbara Streisand. The cute. Yeah. Cute. Yeah. Cute as a button. What'd you think Jabril first time you saw this movie, which was this week, right? today oh, today. oh boy. Okay. this afternoon okay i didn't see the whole thing yeah oh, i only saw the first two hours that's fine, that's fine it's yeah. a long movie it is uh yeah. surprisingly long it was okay okay mm. it was fluffy really i didn't again i didn't feel that kind of weight and pathos that i i got the impression that the newer one provides yeah he hasn't seen the new one either no. i know <laughs> i know i i think i'm getting to that point where i feel like people turned on the new one and now i want to call the new one underrated mm-hmm it's not quite there yet. Yeah. It's it. The Oscars turned on the new it was one. A, Nobody else turned on Star Is Born. There's a few people I know that Who? really switched, especially like 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 a lot of people like our parents' age. 
don't Who like, are these monsters? I don't know. Like, my parents don't like the movie. I'm what? Like, I'm like, what do you like, the fucking Barbara Streisand one? That one sucks. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. I felt the humanity coming through in Garland's performance, but I think the whole thing was just, it's supposed to be this this whole farce, uh, the Hollywood system, that way, everything here. It feels like a love letter to Hollywood and not necessarily like a... An expose on how the the system can tree you up and spit you out. Oh, it's definitely not that. No, it seems like it's trying to be, but it doesn't really go all the way. Or if they were trying to do that, it just feels like a, we're celebrating what's what we feel is great about Hollywood and that kind of thing. It's interesting you say that though, because the new one does similar things and explores similar themes with the music industry. Yes, but I wouldn't call the new Star Is Born. Uh, a deconstruction of the music industry. Would you? No, it's more of a character study. Right. It's so intimate, though. Like, that movie is so quiet and takes its time on so many scenes and, like, really draws these people out to the point... Like when I, when I said it in our review, like, I've never seen a drunk person portrayed so accurately on screen. Yeah. It's brilliant. Mm. Bradley... And like we said before, Bradley Cooper is just... It's, he steals that movie. That's I think movie. it's his best performance. Yeah, I think and you're I don't think right. and I don't think anybody acknowledged that. I'm like, what's the what the fuck is the matter with? I you know people? there was no Oscar talk whatsoever. I was like, you're crazy. Yeah, you're crazy. Was <laughs> he not get, nominated? I thought he was. No, he was, but he wasn't like uh, a contender. I no. think it was Rami Malek and Christian Bale uh, who played two wax figures essentially <laughs> it was like two characters from madame tussauds they're just it's not a performance you know it's just it's they're, christian they're, bale gave a performance yeah. it's a choice yeah. what he did was a choice i wouldn't call it like a multi-layered character though that dick cheney no do you see vice i've seen clips he oh, looked, he's God. good he's he, good he's he looks like dick cheney how about yeah. that he yes. looks and sounds like dick cheney he did the work I don't like that movie. I don't either. <laughs> but we've talked about it. Um, here's what I was surprised by. I don't know if you felt the same way. A lot of similarities in the movies, like in the specific moments. That's what I was saying, though. I just like, want... I was really surprised that they did the I just want to get another look yes, at you moment. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that was from the original. But not only that, but they did it in the same... Uh, uh, structurally, they did it in the same places. They did it at right. the beginning and at the very end, like right before he kills himself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, does that... He has the outburst at the Oscars. Yep. Because actually, as a matter of fact, in the new Star is Born, when they do the Grammy scene, that to me felt a little staged. Mm. It didn't feel like a legitimate movie moment. And I remember that bothering me. It's like, really, we're going to set this intimate character study on the stage of the Grammys. But I didn't realize that was a plot element from the original movie. You have to have the award show meltdown. Yep. Mm. Um, so they did that. They had the asshole agent character that sort of pushed him over the edge that was pulling Judy Garland in one direction. Mm-hmm. Um, this character's name is Norman Maine, and the new character is Jackson Maine. So they actually kept a lot uh, in common, which is so interesting because that new Star is Born movie feels as contemporary as ever. I know. So the fact that this story could be easily translated across, God, 70 years? And they're going to keep doing it. Right, yeah, they're going to do this again. Yeah, for sure. Star is born on Mars. (laughs) Fast and Furious presents a star is born (laughs) on Mars. (laughs) Versus Jason. Yes. Yeah. It's just a testament to how timeless this story is. Um, And I really enjoyed the movie for that reason. You talk about the montages real fast. Well, you know... Isn't it missing footage? It is, Yeah, that's what I thought. And you could... The problem is you can tell Mm -hmm. watching it. I'm just like, yeah, no, this is... Clearly, they, they, they somehow lost this footage, and they just needed these inserts to 
make it flow but mm-hmm. it, it it's the one part in the movie where i'm like uh, it is painfully obvious yeah. what, what was going on here tell me the story i don't know i don't know the story but i know just missing footage and i think uh, back in 2007 when they re-release re-released this um they cobbled it together using still images from the production and audio from the missing footage okay uh i found that yeah the original cut was 196 minutes and it was mm. trimmed to 154 okay and I think, yeah, those moments of the montage, they do this thing where they have production stills. It's just like, here are the two characters, here's a photo of them, and then we're going to put the track of them talking. And they present it like a montage, as you said, but those scenes I wouldn't think to put in a montage. No. Well, it makes, I thought it was making sense at first, right. when it almost seemed like she was going through photo shoots or it was covering like very, very basic elements of how she came into stardom. But then it keeps going into moments where they're just driving in a car. Right. And I'm like, wait a second. No. <laughs> There's something wrong here. Yeah, that was that caught me as well. I'm pretty sure that wasn't in the original theatrical cut, though. Mm-hmm. I think what happened is as they were restoring it, they wanted to do the original, original cut with all of the musical numbers and all of the context in there. Mm-hmm. And I guess some of the footage was lost and they had to replicate it with those montages. Wow. So It's too bad. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that was the stuff that stood out to me. At first, I thought interesting stylistic choice, but didn't ultimately work. A couple funny stories for you, then we'll move on. Um, When the Oscar for Best Actress went to Grace Kelly instead of Garland, Groucho Marx sent Garland a telegram reading, Dear Judy, this is the biggest robbery since Brinks. (laughs) (laughs) So even he acknowledged at the time, why didn't Judy Garland win the Oscar for this? It's insane. Maybe that's one of the first tremendous Oscar fuck-ups. Yeah, I would love to track or just do a show about us looking at the worst Oscar blunders. Is that not what we're doing right now? I guess that's I'm true. I'm pretty sure that's exactly <laughs> what this is. Excellent point. Uh, George Kakor offered Marlon Brando the role of Norman Maine mm. on the set of Julius Caesar. That would have worked. Quote, this is what uh, Marlon Brando asked. Why would you come to me? I'm in the prime of my life. Ooh. If you're looking around for some actor to play an alcoholic as has been, he's sitting right over there, pointing to his co-star James Mason, oh, who got the part. Shit. <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> he really was a prick, wasn't he? What a great Marlon story. Jesus Christ. It's an incredible Marlon Brando oh, story. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie, I would yeah. say. Um, and uh, I would recommend it. If you've seen the new oh, yeah. one... This, I would say, enlightens your experience. I don't know. Yeah, I, I bet the new one's a little better. Mm. Yeah, I think I, the new one's a little better. No, nah, I think it definitely is. But I think if you see both, you'll appreciate certain plot elements from both. Yes, absolutely. You know? Okay. Mm. Here we go. Yay, finally. Yeah. Godzilla. <laughs> Directed by Ashiro Honda. Mm-hmm. Like the car. <laughs> yes, accurate. Starring a bunch of people and a dinosaur. Basically, hey. right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to pronounce all these Japanese names. I'm sorry. You could probably pronounce the 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 main scientist. No, I'll... who plays Ikaru? What's what's the man's name? Do you remember the actor? He's in this. Uh, Your father. Uh, He's in two of these movies. Is it Takashi Shimura? Takashi Shimura. Okay. Yes. Doctor. Yeah. Kohai. Yes. Yeah. I don't know who plays. Uh. Uh. What the hell is the guy's name? The um. Uh. Fuck. The eye you know, patch man? Yeah. The eye patch man. <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. Who, who who appears kind of in the new Godzilla films. At is least, that right? Well, the character's name is the same. Oh. Serizawa. There you mm. go. Dr. Serizawa. Yes. Is that the... 
the uh, who who Ken Ken, Ken Watanabe, yeah, Watanabe plays that character essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. pretty much. Does he have an eye patch? No, he doesn't. Unfortunately, uh-huh. no one's better than Toshiro Mufune, and we will get mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, fucking love Toshiro. No Mufune. jingoism here. You don't like Toshiro. Mufune. You know what? Fuck you. Keep going. Mm-hmm. I can't believe we're doing this. Why did I bring two nerds on at the same time? <laughs> this is really this is gonna be bad. Uh, nominated for zero Oscars. Because it's a Japanese film. <laughs> American nuclear weapons testing results in the creation of a seemingly unstoppable dinosaur-like beast. Mm-hmm. It's the original Godzilla movie. All right, let me say my piece, and then you guys can jerk each other off. All right, <laughs> so get ready. Adam. Lube up. Well, we're not jerking each other off. Don't worry. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. Um, first Godzilla movie. Mm-hmm. There have been 33 movies. 35. Fuck off, dude. <laughs> I was like, he's going to get it wrong. Fuck he's off. He's going to get it wrong. I fact checked that shit. It turns out I'm wrong, huh? Yeah. All right. 35 Godzilla movies in total. Um, we all know Godzilla. Of course. I went into this expecting a really corny really shoddily made movie about a monster <laughs> that uh, has since sort of been co-opted into cheesy B-movie fare. Right? So I was expecting, like, some datedness. And there's some datedness, all right. Uh, you expected corniness, though. Can I finish my statement? Go ahead. I really like this movie. Yes! Yeah! Yes! <laughs> 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 yes! <laughs> That's it. Woo! <laughs> yes! 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 Oh, this is the best. I really liked it. <laughs> I was stunned. You know what it was? I sat there wanting to hate it. And that's, I went into it with your stupid fucking face in my head. And I was just, every second, every frame, I wanted to hate. I'm just appearing on his head like, like Pazuzu in The Exorcist. That's what it is. <laughs> Precisely right. <laughs> you are haunting my nightmares like Freddy Krueger. Wow. I want. I so wanted to hate it, and I wanted to come on here and just lambast the two of you nerds. Um, but it's like an actual movie. Cause yeah. Y- yeah. So it's it's like an actual movie. Like yes. What did you think it was going to be? Well, all right. Well, let me put it this way. Did you want? Okay. You haven't seen any other Godzilla films, really. Well, I mean, I've seen, seen the American ones. No, 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 no. I mean, like, Godzilla films. I've seen American... I haven't... No. No, it I doesn't count. No. That's not what. That's not at all what I'm talking about. I've seen about. the three American Godzilla movies, the new ones. Okay. So, you haven't really seen a Godzilla mm. film. So, this was your first introduction. Kinda, yeah. I guess mm-hmm. you would say that. So, sure. So, you had... It's just, it's just amazing to me, because... Go, going into it, did, like, did you understand what Godzilla was originally birthed from? Oh, well, I understand. Out of, I understand out of Japanese the, culture. Yeah, well, I understand it was a nuclear bomb metaphor. Yeah. This whole allegory for that. Yeah, I did understand that. And well, the movie explicitly mm. uh, references the atomic oh, God, bomb. Yeah. I mean, Godzilla is literally the result of the atomic bomb bomb mm-hmm. explosion. Um, and I think in specific, I saw somewhere the opening with the boat is a reference to the Lucky Dragon incident, yep. which was an incident off the coast of Japan yes. where some a boat uh, got in the way of some nuclear testing and caught radiation. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's the thing that actually happened. Yes, I was aware of the history. Um, I think I was influenced by the new Godzilla American movies, mm. yep. which are, I mean, very expensive, and they look good, mm-hmm. but there's not much on the substance side. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're... 
spectacle. They're B monster movies with a budget. More or less. Right. So and are not really good on the human side. You know, although they are told from the human's point of view, the characters are incredibly flat. I have not seen the new Godzilla, but I saw the first one, and I could not stand Aaron Taylor Johnson and Elizabeth Olsen in that. They were horrendous. Uh, so I think I was expecting a black and white, lower budget version of those movies, which is the last thing I wanted to watch at 11.30 on a Saturday night. It's the last, last thing I wanted to be doing on a Saturday, but I suffered through it anyway, and by the end, I was like... Holy shit, this is the most affecting monster movie I've ever seen. Mm. Yep. It is incredible. Like, and again, like the human stuff I could give or take. There are some flaws there. They are sort of thinly drawn characters and the plot machinations are hard to buy at times. But the sequences of Godzilla, as goofy as the design is of the actual monster... When he comes out of the ocean mm-hmm. and starts stepping on buildings mm-hmm. and knocking over electrical poles. Oh, my God. And, that scene. Right. And then there's like a mom and a baby saying, we're going to be with daddy now. Oh, wow. Mm. Whoa, man. Yeah. In- there is something to the practical effects. It was all built with miniatures, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just like a bunch of action figures. <laughs> the <laughs> Japanese guy filming his action figure toys. <laughs> Godzilla's coming and going to destroy all the Legos. It's essentially what it was. But um, there was something to the practicality of all of that. Mm-hmm. Although I sometimes saw the seams. Yes, yes. Woo! Mm-hmm. Yep. It's it's thrilling. It's a thrilling movie. Oh, it really God. is. And it's haunting. Yeah. And it's it's dark. I mean, it's boo. This movie is dark as oh, yeah. hell. And it's I think when I saw it too, I'd only seen a uh, well, I'd seen my fair share of Godzilla films, and there was there was really only one that came close to this, and it was uh, the Return of Godzilla, which came out in nineteen eighty four, actually, which is another solo Godzilla film, and he's very much the villain in that one. Yep. And it covers similar like like Cold War element themes, but there was still some goofiness to it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know it could get like this dark. And yeah. then I saw this one, and I was like, holy crap. Like, I didn't know these movies could, could matter this much. Right. Like, this movie makes Godzilla like very, very, very important in a way that most of the Godzilla films don't really do. Um, and like you said, I mean... The practicality to it all is incredible. It's all, it's it's also just the way the movie's shot. Like I can't imagine this movie being in color. I don't think mm-hmm. it would be as good. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, there's a there's a palpability to everything. But again, the the black and white almost adds to the the themes of the movie. Yeah, it kind of looks like a home video in some sense. You know what I mean? I, I, although like the cinematography is awesome, there's a realness to it. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. You know, and and just like like a, like you said, just the the set pieces. Which, which are just again, if you're tra- talking about a movies, movies that uh, communicate a certain idea to the audience about like like what the movie actually means, like this is the best example of that in the realm of monster movies. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Like I don't think of anything that even comes close. And I, I was t- texting you about this, and I said that the scene of the aftermath after he's trampled all over Tokyo mm-hmm. is horrifying. Yeah. It's just like, oh my god, yeah, this yeah. is. The, the, I, I'm never going to forget this. <laughs> yeah. What What is your experience with this film, Jabril? I saw this for the first time a week ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a Godzilla head? Not really, no. Okay. Well, thank God. I All right. Great. Well, God, thank God. So what did you think then? I liked it. 
I, I thought it was very affecting in mm-hmm. uh, various parts. Thanks. I could see the seams at certain points. <laughs> yeah. When I, and when I talk about flaws in the movie, yeah. the only flaws like I'm really honestly talking about are a few weaker human characters. Yeah. I really like uh, uh, the, the 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 scientist played by uh, Takashi Shimura, yes, and I and I love uh, the guy who plays Serizawa. And the, the boyfriend and the girl, they're all right. But yeah, the, I thought that was a love story just shoved in there for yeah. no reason. It, yeah. It's it's a decent enough vessel into the movie, where, but where you're not like pissed off or anything, right? Uh, but yeah, no. The the other issue is that there's <laughs> as much as I love the set the set pieces, there are instances here and there where I'm like action figures in the street action figures the worst example honestly it's not even the the car rolling over yeah. <laughs> oh the car rolling over was ridiculous so bad, wasn't yeah it? <laughs> it's the planes yeah the plane bothered me I didn't, really I, didn't oh. I thought the car rolling over was worse yeah, yeah. i i know because the planes are so obvious you know what was worse though godzilla in the ocean as he's dying it looks like a toy in a bathtub yeah, yeah. A, little yeah. a little bit yeah, it's yeah. okay yeah but, but I accepted that though to be I, I was able to forgive that because I was going in no, expecting no. something worse first of all, mm-hmm. and the I wouldn't trade the practicality mm. for CGI. No, I know originally the movie was supposed to be stop motion, and evidently there was just not a good stop motion artist in Japan at the time, mm-hmm. so it would have taken a long time and a lot of money. So they said, "Fuck it, let's just build some action figures mm-hmm. and, and put a guy in a rubber suit." Yes, right. So. Like, I'm cool with that. I would much rather have that than uh, a, a ridiculous stop-motion Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Godzilla. <laughs> I think it looks so much better. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. do... I mean, the Japanese have always been great at this, but this is, like, just a master class in just how you make, like, effective miniatures. Right. We've never talked about miniatures on this show before. No, but, I don't think so. But it's a lost art form. And, and I mean, when you see movies like that, it just really makes me miss them because, like, the scene where he's trampling on, like, the, the, the power lines, mm. it's, like, an iconic uh, scene in, in all of, like, monster movies. It's one of the, one of the more famous examples, but it's just, like... So so freaky. I love. I love the shot when he he's finally um, uh, destroyed them all, and it's just a simple thing. Just Godzilla turning towards the camera and just mm. looking down on everything. It's just like, whoa! Actually, this thing is menacing, mm. and we need to fear something like this. I right. have a primal fear of things coming out of the ocean. Of you a do? giant monster. Oh, coming out of the really? Ocean. Really? And then the mushroom cloud. Like whenever I just look at stock footage of a mushroom cloud or something, that's just absolutely horrifying no wonder you like twin peaks season three so much <laughs> oh jesus spoiler <laughs> got a light got a light got a light got a light oh no incredible well i'll get to that i guess how about the bug that crawled into the this is the water and this is the well <laughs> oh jesus yes <laughs> By the way, also filmed in black and white, that episode. Yes. Into the 50s. Stop spoiling it, you fuckers. Yeah, Get on it, goddammit. There is, there is no spoiling in that episode, by the okay. way. Yes, there is well, nothing they're, they're... I could possibly tell you that would spoil no, that episode. No, there are some things. No, there are not. <laughs> there are some appearances. Appearances of certain people. Yeah, in, okay. In but even if I tried summarizing scenes. the plot of that episode, I couldn't do it. There's some scholarship on that episode. Oh, there's scholarship. <laughs> Deep scholarship, yes. Deep scholarship. But I could not, like, recite the plot right now because I'm not sure there is a plot to that episode. It's incredible, though. It's just a tone poem. Yes. It's an hour-long tone poem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I could have read a book about that episode. <laughs> just that. Just, it, it, it's a poem. It Get literally... Mark Frost's book. Yes. Secret History of Twin Peaks. Get that, I, I haven't think. I have read that. I need to read it. I've heard it's incredible. Uh, David Lynch says it's it's doesn't matter if you read it or not. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> uh, um, 
what was I going to say? Well, I'll I'll say this: George Lucas used a lot of miniatures in Star Wars, yep. and he credits this movie as inspiring. Of course, those scenes. Um, yeah, the one thing I would say: the ending's a bit weird. Did you like you know where you turn to the camera, the scientist, and just spells out the like metaphor we, of the movie? Yes, we yeah. Need to avoid using her in the future, but blah, blah, blah. again, so, I sort of attribute it for the time. It's yeah, yeah maybe yeah, that yeah. element's a little dated, but I get it. It's yeah. a little over explaining. Yeah, the ending was a bit contrived. Mm-hmm. They literally. Uh, employ a device called the oxygen annihilator destroy the ocean forever yeah it's the oxygen destroyer which literally removes all oxygen particles out of the water yeah Killing everything in it. I'm not sure that's how science works, but I'll mm. go with it. Yeah. They use that in the most recent Godzilla film. Oh fuck no! And oh, at, like for no, it's it's like a cameo appearance. They shoot it into the water, and then you never see it again. Okay. And <laughs> I remember Abby turned to me is like, "That's the stupidest fucking name of right. anything I've ever heard." <laughs> right. And then I saw reviews for it, and they said the same thing. I'm like, "Oh, these guys have not seen Gojira, have they?" Right. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's very dated and it's contrived, and I didn't love the ending of just like everyone in. This village seems to be on this boat now, yeah. watching the hero kill the beast. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, though, it, really, I'm watching this for the set pieces. Yeah. I think it's great, dude. Yeah. I really, I, mean, well, I, I just, and it's just talking about like the amount of buildup it takes to actually get to Godzilla, and they take their time, and they really stretch. I mean, cinematically, they just do a great job at, at stressing, stressing how destructive this force is that's out there, whatever it is. And one of my favorite sequences, like the actual reveal of Godzilla, to me is just brilliant because they're like, "There's something. It's over the hill," mm, and you expect right. them to go over the hill and peer over and see this monster, and then nope. it's so big that it just reaches over the hill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, "Yes, this movie is awesome," <laughs> and really teases the monster. I mean. Is not in your face about it. Oh no! Um, and here's the other thing: not that much Godzilla. No. Yeah, really, not that much at all. No. Yeah, I'm telling you, I was pleasantly surprised by this. Good. I was expecting something totally different, and I liked it a lot. I'm pleasantly surprised yeah. right now. Well, good. I'm glad I could brighten your day. <laughs> uh, I would also recommend Shin Godzilla, which is the most recent Japanese one, which is essentially a remake of this one, and it's fantastic. Mm. Okay. Because I there's I will straight as a Godzilla fan there's a lot of shitty Godzilla films, mm-hmm. but the the latest live action Japanese one is like it's remarkable. I was like this movie's incredible. Estimate how many of the thirty five have you seen? <sighs> Don't count, just estimate twenty. Damn, Damn dude, twenty. I haven't seen all of them. There's so there's so fucking many. You gotta get yeah. out more. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Spend that time watching Twin Peaks: The Return, will you? I will. It's way worth your time. You want me to watch some? Not not The Return, but some more of Twin Peaks when I get home. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'll do that after this. I would like you to do that. Okay. Okay. Let's move on. Let me know when you see the first episode of season two. Okay. Oh yeah, because that's a turning point. Not nope. a fan of season two. Mm-hmm. Not into it. Oh boy. Not what? into Twin Peaks season two. When Lynch and Frost leave, of course. Yeah, like, yeah. But I'm saying the first half and then the last episode. The first eight episodes when they're on board, when they're on it, and then the last episode, which Lynch directed. He directed the end of season two. Is that right? <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> oh boy. Oh, I guess. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Goodness. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, oh, where he's where the. That's essential. Where That's they're chasing the dot. The, okay. The, yeah, yeah yes, got Okay. Yes, got yes, yes, right, yes, okay. yes, 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 yes. Little, little tidbit before we move on. Uh, Raymond Burr, the villain of mm-hmm. Rear Window, uh, starred in the American remake 
of Godzilla or Gojira rather. Not a remake of. No, it's not. I mean, it's not a remake, but it's like an an Americanized remix, an Americanized version with like scenes of him interspliced in, and then they do like a Kung Pao under the fist thing where they cut back to old footage from Godzilla. God, what's that movie called? What the one? uh, No, it's just Godzilla, King of the Monsters. From oh, okay, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. That's the Ameri- That's the first American version. It's the Americanized version. It's not like a remake. Oh, okay, I you know got what I mean? you. Yeah. I, okay, I understood. Yeah. Sounds really stupid. It's not. It's basically this movie, but just with in- inserts of like yeah, an American of- journalist played by Raymond Burr. Yes. Okay, got it. Right. It's eh. it's okay. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, 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 on the waterfront. Oh yeah. Directed by Elia Kazan. Mm. Traitor. <laughs> Traitor. <laughs> One of two in this movie. I do want to talk about the whole communist subplot. Yes. I think it's quite fascinating, actually. Interesting text related to this movie. Yeah, real interesting. <laughs> he was uh, a communist. No. no. What? I'll, we'll, we'll get explain. to it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I read about that ahead of time. It's really interesting social politics behind the scenes mm-hmm. of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a real awesome resume. Also did East of Eden in a streetcar named Desire that Elliot Kazan. Mm-hmm. Um, and based on some real life events, I believe there was an article published in some newspaper at some point. Mm-hmm. That's It's loosely based on a union and some mob connections. Uh, starring Marlon Brando, Carl Mal. Carl Malden, I'm sorry. Lee J. Cobb, Rod Steiger, and Eva Marie Saint. Rob Steiger is in this. Yes, he is. Mm. Winner. Get ready. It's a long list. Maybe I can do this all in one breath. Let's see. Winner of Best Film Editing, Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Best Original Screenplay, Best Director, Best Supporting Actress, Best Actor, and Best Picture. (sighs) Not bad. A lot of movies, or a lot of awards won by this movie. Also nominated for Best Supporting Actor three times over Mm. for Carl Malden, Lee J. Cobb, and Rod Steiger. (laughs) And Best Original Score, which evidently was the great Leonard Bernstein who scored this movie. Yep. Bernstein, Mm. actually. It's not, though. It's Bernstein. Bernstein. Are you sure about that? No, of course not. But I just (laughs) hate that you correct my pronunciations of things. Man, AFI loves this movie. Oh, yeah. Number 23 on their heroes list, that is Terry Malloy, played by Marlon Brando. Number 22 on their film scores list, 36 on their cheers list of most inspirational movies of all time, and their number eight movie of all time. Okay. That is AFI. Oh, also number three on their quotes list for, you don't understand, I could have had class... I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody instead of a bum. Which is what I am. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't let you do that. <laughs> I was okay. going to say, what are you doing? I'm sorry. What are you it's doing, okay. Nico? <laughs> Take two. Action. You don't understand. I could have been a contender. I could have had class instead of a bum, which is what I am. Let's face it. <laughs> Fuck you, Nico. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I'm sorry to get in the way of that. To break the magic. Um, yeah, I say that quote to myself maybe once a day. Probably. In the mirror in the morning. <laughs> Something I think about quite a bit. Don't we all? You don't understand. I could have had class. <laughs> You will never have class, Nico. Do you want to learn your phone? Oh, God, it's my time. Here we go. Is that your ringtone? I yes. could have had class. I could have been a contender. What a great quote. Yeah. Um, an ex-price fighter turned long shore, longshoreman. 
Longshoreman. Long Dock worker. I'm sorry. Works. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Struggles to stand up to his corrupt union bosses. Um, classic movie, obviously. Mm-hmm. Is this your first time seeing it? No. No. Okay. Mine. Oh, oh really? really? Wow. Ooh. Oh, my God. Uh, wow. Well, talk to me about it then. Ooh, very good. Ooh, it's a very good movie. <laughs> Except for a couple of things, but... Oh! I felt the score was impeding on some good drama. Okay. Really had swelled... Interesting. ...at certain points when it shouldn't have. Give me an example. I, just a scene, I think, when Saint and Brando are having a really intimate conversation. It sort of swells to a breaking mm. point, and it kind of kills the mood for me, and it becomes a melodrama. Interesting. Huh. Huh. Okay. Well, maybe that's the Leonard Bernstein influence. Yeah. I mean, that guy can't really just do a score and get out of the way. He's a genius in his no. own right. So it almost like, feels like a new Hollywood movie, except for the score. Yeah. The way it looks, the framing, the compositions, all no. that kind of stuff. Well, that's the thing I love so much about it, is that it feels like something that's far more contemporary than it actually is. Yes. And it's just wonderful. And it, and it actually goes hand in hand with some of the performances, particularly uh, Marlon Brando, mm. who's just electric in this movie. You know who else is electric? Lee, Lee J. Cobb, my dude. Excellent. Mm, yep. He plays Johnny Friendly in this movie. Uh, I have a quote here from Brando about Cobb. Oh. He did an interview in the 90s. Oh, Please what say is- it in the Brando voice. There was no bullshit to Lee, none. He was there to work and to work well. And he was a fierce in his devotion to the work at hand. He couldn't make a false move because he was so firmly walking toward the truth. He could not be moved. <laughs> from 1990, an interview. Nice. Now please do the lyrics to Miley Cyrus's party in the USA in the Marlon Brando voice. Now I'm never going to be able to listen to that song. You listen, you listen to that song? Oh, it's just horrifying now. Um, here's what you don't understand, people at home. He's, I'm a lunatic. Well, yes. Uh, but Jabril is going like full method, a la Marlon Brando. And when he does the voice, he does like the marbles in the chin from yeah, The Godfather, which is incredible. <laughs> now, please do your favorite Godfather quote, says Marlon Brando. Jesus. Oh, God, I can't think of any. I failed. <laughs> favorite Godfather quote. Oh, Christ. Offer he can't refuse. How about that? I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Thank you. They're going to massacre my boy. I love Look that. how they massacred my boy. <laughs> my boy. <laughs> Good stuff. It's a fun Where's name. Where's Michael? <laughs> That's Buffalo Bill. That's <laughs> not Buffalo. Can you Where, do Buffalo Bill? Where's Michael? Are you about a size 14? <laughs> you know who sounds like Buffalo Bill? Jim Jarmusch sounds like Buffalo Bill. Really? I don't think I've ever heard well, a Jim Jarmusch interview. Well, you know, he kind of talks like this. And well, the craft of doing here, are you at a size 14? You got to put the lotion <laughs> of the fucking basket. Put the fucking lotion of the basket. Put the fucking lotion of the basket. I could do this all day. <laughs> now we're just yeah. quoting movies and beautiful voices. Um, here's mm. the thing about Marlon Brando in this movie. Mm. It's like, he knew what acting was 20 years before everyone else knew what acting was. Oh, yeah. He was just like, yo, I'm going to act, y'all. <laughs> yeah. And you guys are going to like do your stage thing where you're going to, you know how like you have the line and you read the line and you yeah. give it a little chutzpah? Say, what are you doing there, Buster? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's cool and all. And like, people will see those movies and they're entertaining as hell. But I'm like going to become the fucking character. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to like do my thing. Um, It's the, yeah, one of the five best performances in the history of film. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say it. It's incredible. I, 
I actually struggled to think of a better Marlon Brando performance. I guess you could say The Godfather. I think it's uh, a better performance than Streetcar. The only other one I would put there is Last Tango in Paris. I haven't seen that yet. I need to see that. What if I told you that Marlon Brando was in the rubber suit in Godzilla? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He is... I mean, yeah, he's just oozing acting. Mm -hmm. It's like, whoa. (laughs) If I saw this in 1954, I don't know how I would have reacted to this. Mm. You know? When... I, I, we were just talking about it. Adam and I were talking with my father a couple days ago about this yeah. performance, and he loves the glove moment where mm. Eva Marie Saint drops the glove and Brando picks it up and starts fiddling with it. Fiddling with it, yeah. And that was totally improvised. Oh, wow. And there's just a million of those moments in the movie where he's mm-hmm. just doing other stuff mm-hmm. because that's what people do. They just do other stuff. You can't take your eyes off him, no. but you buy him. He's not overacting in any way. He's just acting 100%, mm-hmm. you know? And it's so funny you hear all these stories about Brando. He's such a diva on set. He treats people terribly. I know on the set of this movie, it was in his contract. He left at 4 o'clock. So shooting just ended at 4. And, for example, the famous cab scene, which is probably the most famous in the movie, Rod Steiger's close-ups were shot separate and apart from Brando. So they just had a guy on set reading his close-up, Brando's parts for the close-up. And so that was interspliced in, and it's very strange. Mm. Did he not like Rod Steiger? No, I just (laughs) think he wasn't on set. Speaking, well... They just didn't have time. Well, I guess after the fact, Steiger... Did you see the documentary, Listen to Marlon, either of you? No. No. So he mentions, you know, he was... You know, I'm probably the best actor in this movie, or one of the best actors here. Like, even the person in the cab, I'm better than even... (laughs) And they cut to the Rod Steiger scene. Right. He's not good in this. He's not very good in this, Ron Steiger. You think so? No. He's a bit over the top. I think he's pretty good. I thought he was okay. I mean, uh, again, it's... I don't have a problem with him. Yeah, uh-huh. you, you gotta look at it in context. He's not Brando, and he's playing opposite Brando, but so that's he, tough. Everybody else is better than him, though. You thought so? Even Marie Saint, Lee J. Cobb, all, all the players are eh, better than maybe. him. Maybe. Yeah. That didn't st- stand out to me the first I time I saw it. it. Maybe I'd have to look at it again. I don't know. Maybe yeah, because I didn't rewatch the movie, and maybe yeah. maybe we should have. Yeah, but, maybe. Yeah. yeah, but I didn't get necessarily get the sense when I saw that anyone was overacting in the movie. But I yeah. know mm. maybe yeah, you're right. Yeah, maybe you are. Maybe I'd have to visit it again. I'm not sure. Mm. The, no, but the funny thing about Brando is that he's the greatest actor of all time, and he hated acting. <laughs> and I just think that's so hilarious. It's, it's mm. all, well, he hated acting. He also seems like he just hated working on movies, right? Like always. I mean, it's like there isn't like a single good Brando story, and ter- like like a pleasant <laughs> experience working with Marlon Brando. Like I don't know. Right. It's sure, the one about Sophia Loren, where he I think he was dipping her, I guess, in a dance or something, and he commented, "You have nose hairs," or something like that. <laughs> What a jerk. Yes. <laughs> to, Sophie, to sex symbol Sophia yes, Loren. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, only Marlon had that confidence. That takes a special asshole. Yeah, I just think like that's evidence that God exists and he has a sense of humor. <laughs> that he gave all the acting talent to the guy that hated acting. Yeah. yeah. I just think that's hilarious. I don't know if he hated acting because I, I vaguely remember that documentary where it seemed like he went back and forth on it. It seemed like he liked it. I just, he, he was a fucking complicated guy. Yeah, I think he was just a torture genius. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, possible. I think he was chasing something and he never got there and that's what geniuses do, man. Have you ever heard of his story of when they were making uh, the score? The, you ever seen the score? No. Well, the score is a is a heist film with Robert De Niro and Edward Norton, and also Marlon Brando, <laughs> and it's directed. Wait, by... that's not the one with Pacino and no. De Niro in it. No, no, no. that's a different movie. It's directed by Frank Oz. 
Right. Yes. The score. Yeah, I know the yeah, score. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. He, he kept calling Frank Oz Miss Piggy. <laughs> <laughs> He's wanted to talk at that point. Yeah. <laughs> wow, he was old at the time. Oh man. my god, yeah. Old and obese. Fat. Yes. Yeah, oh god. Is that a good movie, the score? Have you seen it? Yeah, actually it's quite it, no. good. Really? Mm-hmm. That was his last movie. Was no, it? No. Turns out, yes, it was. No. Are you sure? Uh he did some voiceover work near the end of his life. Well, yeah. that doesn't count. He did unreleased, but Oh, really? Yeah. And then he was in the Michael Jackson uh, music video. Yes. Wow. 2001. You rock my world. He was in that and he was uh, in the Godfather <laughs> video game for Xbox. Yes. What? Yes. That's his final credit oh, on IMDb, no. technically. That's funny. Jesus. Uh, man, Brando. Yeah. Talk just... about Ilya Kazan, Adam. Talk about his direction. I don't know what to say about his direction. I mean, other than the fact that it's quite good. Yeah. It's quite good. Mm. It's yeah. a gritty movie. Yeah. Well, that's the, well, what I was saying earlier was that there is something about the way that this movie is shot. It's, it's, it, it comes from like an independent spirit, if that makes sense. Like you could, it feels like, like, was this a studio film? I would assume so. Because it doesn't, it really honestly doesn't feel like that. Yeah. When I watch it, there is like a, like a down to earthness to it. Like, like mm-hmm. you said, that kind of grittiness and that. Uh, like attention to details with the characters that I think a lot of studio films generally would not. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting what Elliot uh, uh, Kazan chooses to focus on, particularly in just like Marlon Brando on, on the rooftop with the pigeons. Right. Mm-hmm. Just stuff like that. Like that kind of pervades the entire movie. And it's like, oh, movies like this that used to exist back then. <laughs> There's a moment at the end of the movie, I think about it all the time, when he discovers that his pigeons have been killed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he testifies against the mob. Mm-hmm. And there's this moment the girlfriend is looking at him and he's in the chicken coop and all you see is his arm sticking out waving her away mm. and i just think to myself damn if marlon brando just used his arm to act he'd have more talent than half the guys in hollywood <laughs> like there's really, there's more emotion in the arm movement than there is anywhere else it's like mm. it, it's such a tour de force performance and you're right. I don't want to sell short the the direction here. I don't want to sell short Elia Kazan because it is an incredible film, mm-hmm. yes. uh, and it's a classic, and it's just a great story of yeah. the underdog, mm-hmm. the guy that you really don't pay attention to, the dock worker that's a pretty good boxer but not a great boxer, and growing the courage to stand up to the man. Corruption. Yeah. It's a tale as old as time, and it's always going to work. It's, you know, it it works in television now. There's a million shows that are about that same principle. Uh, The Wire deals with very similar themes to this. But more complicated, like this is very aspirational, especially the very end. I mean, there's some complex themes, you know. There's a Spartacus moment at the end, Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Morally ambiguous people, but I think it's more aspirational, especially at the end. Yeah, it's a heroic story, no question. Um, But... Man, I just love it, mm-hmm. and uh, as do I. Really, not that much bad to say about it. I don't really have many criticisms. Influenced a whole generation of actors. That's very true, for sure. I mean, created method acting essentially. Yeah. This is it. Um, let's talk about the communist stuff. <laughs> oh God! Okay. So I'll tell the story, and then you can. I'll chime in with my yeah. Chime in with. I don't the know detail. much about this at all. Okay, so first draft of the movie was written by Arthur Miller. Oh, okay. okay. He writes the draft, gives it to the studio. The studios at the time say, we want to make the bad guys communists. Hmm. We want to make the union bosses communist. Arthur Miller says no. So he leaves the project. Then Elliot Kazan takes over and they write a new draft and they change a bunch of the characters. And the thing about Elliot Kazan that's interesting is he named names during McCarthyism. Hmm. 
he called out three uh, communists in Hollywood. And so this is sort of, I guess, on the surface, um, a response to that. He was like saying, hey, guys, I can make a pro-union movie. Like, I can make a movie about blue-collar working men. Mm. But he is sort of a universally despised figure in Hollywood at the time. Yeah. Because he flipped. Mm-hmm. During McCarthyism, and so did Lee J. Cobb. Oh, is that right? Wow. He did. He did. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I believe his wife was out of work. I think she was institutionalized or something like really? that. Really? Read in a tidbit here, so I felt he felt his back was against the wall, so he had no other choice. Yeah. Shit. So Remedy. it's a really interesting sort of backstory here. Um, it's not something we talk about that much because we don't go that far back in Hollywood, but it was uh, a really significant thing. Mm-hmm. People in show business coming out as communists. Yep. Um. So yeah, you see it. You see this movie, and you almost view it as a little insincere. Yeah. After the fact, right? Like, where do you get off? Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's an excellent point, actually. Yeah, where do you get off? Now exactly. you're for the little guy. Right. Precisely right. Um, is there anything else about that story you want to chime in with? Uh, I, do you, have you heard about the when he got his honorary Oscar? A lot of people protested. Nick Nolte was like, "Fuck you!" Really? They did. Yeah, a lot of people did not clap. Uh, when was this? 1990, I think. Wow. Ooh, I, Oscar, so. Oh, I got to watch that. Oh. I believe you can see, yeah. see Nick Nolte saying, fuck you. Really? Man, I believe so. Yeah. Mm. No shit. Well, fuck yeah. you, Nick Nolte. <laughs> Don't say that. that. Nick Nolte's Wait. awesome. Yeah. Nick Nolte is totally fine. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dude is literally, <laughs> literally a bulldog. Yeah, Josh Brolin does a great impression of him. Oh, I would that. love to hear that. <laughs> How many more impressions can we squeeze in between now and the end of the Christ, podcast? That's gonna get really try your annoying. best, please. Try your <laughs> Can you beat my Gollum impression? That's Scooby Doo. Probably can. Maybe. Oh boy. <laughs> can you talk as Gollum? Yeah, pretty cool. God damn you! I got him beat on one. Yes. God. I'm not going to sleep tonight. <laughs> That's great. Oh, do you know the Baba Duke? Oh, God, don't. Jesus. Baba Duke. Uh, oh, that's too good. What about us? Once. Whatever the line is. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. My friend and I were walking home after we saw that movie. She's like, don't. I can't sleep. <laughs> that was good. The Babadook one, though. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I love the Babadook. That movie's not that great. It's, it's no, th- that movie's awesome. I love that movie. I haven't Oh, <laughs> I haven't seen it in, in a long time, so I can't. It's so good, Jabril. The gay icon, the Babadook, apparently. <laughs> the witch is better, though. Yes, much better. See the witch, Nico. Are we, are we done now? Okay, yes, awesome. yes, yes. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> I'm gonna need a nightlight tonight. Dude. <laughs> it's gonna haunt me. Uh, on the waterfront, mm, awesome classic masterpiece. Yes, and a contender mm. for the movie Hall of Fame. Oh, how poetic! Sure. Yes. Yeah. All right, mm. seven samurai. Let's get to it. Let's yeah, we're it. it's. It's about time. Mm. All right, let's do this. A little backstory, if this is your first time listening to the podcast. Um, I am um, not into foreign films. <laughs> what? What, the f- 
<laughs> what does that mean? Okay, because I'm not a snob. That's why. Oh, fuck I, off. Do you, okay, no, 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 no. Do you look at people who watch foreign films and you're like, fuck these guys. I'm not going to no, be... Is it, no, you, I look at you who okay. watches foreign films well, and ju- I say, fuck this Well, you guy. just proved my point, you yeah. fucker. Let me be clear. <laughs> Jingoist. All right. I am... Um, not a film scholar. I should say that. I, even yeah. though I host many a film podcast, mm-hmm. I I think approach things with a mainstream sensibility. Yeah. I often don't call films films. I call them movies. I think like that's a big difference. <laughs> it's the guy... I look at something like Seven Samurai, and I look at the hype around Seven Samurai, and I think this is a guy that wears scarves, <laughs> that never uses the word movie, only uses the words film and cinema. cinema yeah. Yeah. That's all. Okay. So I see. And so I'm approaching a movie like this, which I have not seen before. Mm. Um, and I'm coming into it with that baggage. Mm. And I have also been told in the past mm-hmm. by Adam Hall that this is the most important movie that's ever been released. Mm. And that's not hyperbole, right? That's actually what you've said. I, I could call it the most important film ever made. Yeah. Mm. You said that mm-hmm. explicitly. Sure. I'm not exaggerating anything. Okay. Um, let me go on and then we'll talk about it. Mm. Written and directed by Akira Kurosawa. We have done a previous film of his, or a future film of his, called Ron, Mm -hmm. in 1984, uh, starring a bunch of dudes, um, nominated for Best Art Direction and Best Costume Design in 1956, though, Adam. A little technicality for you. Interesting. This actually got its American release in 1956. Yeah. So, Mm. a little asterisk next to this nomination, Mm. but I digress. At the Academy Awards? Well, just we maybe shouldn't have lumped it in with 1954. That's all I'm saying. At the Academy mm. Awards, was it nominated, though? In 1956. Okay, then I don't care. Mm. I care about when it was released in Japan, dude. Fuck the Oscars. <laughs> we need to come up with a criteria for this. I care about when it was released, yes. and that it was like a wide release What do in Japan. you think? Did you hear our last debate about this, Jabril? <laughs> yeah, I voted on that poll. I think I fucked myself, because I wanted you to see Audition, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> so your stance is, whenever this was shown in a movie theater first, that's the year of release. Yes. If it's on a projector in a movie theater, that counts as yes. a release. Yeah. My take is it goes wide. That should mm. be the release. When it's available to audiences, because everything else is just preparation. This was wide movie. way before 1956. Mm-hmm. I understand. For, for whatever godforsaken reason, they re- were talking about it in the 56, though? Because Americans 54. are stupid, yeah. for whatever reason. Well, that was the American release in 56. Yeah. That's when it qualified for the Oscars. That's yeah. all. That's different. Fine. So, fine. It's a It's a 54 movie, movie goddammit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, a poor village under attack by bandits recruits seven unemployed samurai to help them defend themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched this movie yesterday. <laughs> um, it is so fucking long. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Mm. Very long. Three and a half hours. Yeah. Very long. And by the way, a full three and a half hours. Not like three hours, 20 <laughs> minutes. You're rounding up a bit. Nah. Mm. Three and a half hours is this movie. Mm-hmm. Um... So, like, took me a couple sittings. <laughs> Had to get up, take a pee break, get a snack, That's play okay. some Candy Crush. Then I came back to Seven Samurai. Uh, a masterpiece, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a fucking masterpiece. Yes. Like, who am I to say it's not a masterpiece? Nico. Of course it's a masterpiece. It's incredible. Yes. All right. Sure. Fine. You win. Okay. It's a masterpiece. Fine. Fine. Okay. It's a masterpiece. Now go ahead. Jerk off. Go for it. Yeah. This is the best movie ever made. Oh, boy. And, uh, <laughs> Here we go now. Well, here's the thing about it is that 
It's an action movie, dude. Yeah, it is. It's a fucking action movie, yeah. and it's just awesome. Like, we were just talking about set pieces. This is some of the most magnificent, epic set pieces I've ever seen in a movie, especially because it was all very real. It wasn't just miniatures. They were doing everything, and the shit that they pull off in this movie is remarkable, mm. but it goes beyond that. It's just an awesome, epic story about characters trying to help other people. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. And about the divide on, uh, uh, I shouldn't say on racial lines, but it can be interpreted as sort of a metaphor for cultural that. lines, mm-hmm. cultural lines yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's bias and prejudice and the uh, the difficulty of overcoming that weight. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, I'll just be very brief about this because it's a long movie and there's a lot of plot and a lot oh, of God, characters. Yeah. We're not going to go over that. <laughs> yeah, we're not. <laughs> but there's a village and they're being invaded by these thieves, essentially. Um, and I think it's based on real life events, right? Well, certainly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was something that actually happened at a certain point in time in Japan. Mm-hmm. And so this little village of farmers recruits these samurai to defend them. And at first, the village is sort of apprehensive because they're not into samurais for some reason. I don't know exactly what the cultural stuff is there. Uh, samurais at that time, I think... <sighs> There started to be, I think, far more ronin than there were samurai, which are just samurai without masters, and mm. they weren't received all that well. And the best uh, explanation of that is the Kikichio character played by Toshiro Mufune, yes. who has a bit of an apprehension towards samurai, and he kind of explains that in his past with them and what they did to him. Right. But ultimately, it, that, that's a, I love that character arc. Mm. But um, yeah, to, to give an idea of why there's sort of cultural barriers between just common folk and samurai his character best exemplifies that. Sure. Uh, but there's a lot of cultural weight, though, absolutely. from the era in Japan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, Fe- feudal uh, Japan and all right. that Yeah, you stuff. need some context. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the samurai essentially just defend the village, and that's how the plot is set in motion. Um, mm-hmm. Samurai? What? What were you going to say? No, there are just a lot of fight scenes. Oh, yeah. and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an action movie. Uh, I mean, the direction is just flooring. It really is. It's just it's just stunning. I mean, what he's able to do with these set pieces and he the editing is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's one of I think the best edited movies I've ever seen in mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. I know influenced a lot of future editors. Okay, yeah. I know for example, this is one of many ways that it inspired future movies, but George Lucas using the wipes, the side wipes. Mm-hmm. It directly comes from Seven Samurai. I think yeah. that was the first introduction of the wipe. Well, the, um, even the look of the uh, some of the not the samurai but the bandits is influ- influenced Darth Vader to a degree. Yep, and uh, also just the story itself, the storytelling is ripped from both a little bit of Seven Samurai and a lot from Hidden Fortress, okay. almost completely Hidden Fortress. Right. Uh, but just, and again, the the way he orchestrates action sequences similarly is very very influenced by um, this movie, and most notably with like lightsaber fights. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. sure, very, very Japanese. And if you look, just Google Seven Samurai versus Star Wars or something along those lines, and you'll see collages of here's the moment from Seven Samurai, here's the moment from Star Wars, mm-hmm. and it looks exactly the same. A lot of the visual stuff, the, oh, the yeah. motifs are borrowed directly from this movie. Uh, you have a long you have a long history with this movie, Jabril? No, I saw it two days ago. Oh man! Yeah. Wow. And I, why did you want to come on this podcast so bad? You haven't seen it this specific year. No, I love Rear Window. Oh, oh. okay. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Well, and now I love On the Waterfront. <laughs> oh, oh, good. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's an so, odd year, so I figured, yeah, why not? Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so. Seven Samurai, then. What was your reaction? Pretty damn good. Yeah. Aside from a couple of things. Oh, boy. More criticisms. What are they? Poke, poke, poke. Yo, you're poking holes in your fucking amazing movies. (laughs) Go ahead. Go for it. (laughs) No, I mean, just... 
poking people with sticks sometimes it doesn't look uh, oh. quite as oh, oh, yeah, really oh it's a special effects thing give me yeah give every, me only once I'm talking about like fundamental flaws here no not, nothing really no, <laughs> no complaints say, in that department no there are no fundamental flaws in this movie oh Just my god special effects and yeah. uh, sometimes the gore didn't look as effective mm-hmm. but you know besides yeah, that it's, I, think it's, I think it's great um, put some respect on Toshof Jesus Toshiro Mifune's name my God, he's so awesome in he's this movie. He's legitimately a he's great actor. In like yeah. everything. Oh my, you got to see Yojimbo. You would like Yojimbo Yo Jimbo a lot. That okay. movie is so fucking cool. So that movie basically invented the spaghetti western, right? In- influenced yeah. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they it, borrow everything from that. I mean, yeah. uh, a, f- a Fistful of Dollars is a direct remake of uh, Yojimbo. Okay. But then um, um, The Magnificent Seven is a direct remake from Seven Samurai. Right. And then A Bug's Life is essentially Seven Samurai as well. <laughs> I never yes. even thought about that. It's true. Wow. Holy shit. Bugs Life, Seven Samurai, good point. Mm-hmm. Well, I was reading that this movie sort of invented the team up movie. Yeah. Mm. You know? So it's uh, I, Avengers, I like, man. Right. I, I can't, I guess, cite any other examples. And I can't say this for a fact, but this is the first movie that, like, just got a bunch of people together from different backgrounds to fight a common enemy. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like,. You can credit a lot of heist movies to this. Oh, you yeah. can right there. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. The Rat Pack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ocean's Eleven for yeah, sure yeah. is directly influenced. influenced by Seven Samurai, <laughs> which is weird to say, but it is true. Mm. Um, I guess if you don't know that context, you wouldn't know watching this movie for the first time. But mm. what I will say is that it is a tremendously directed movie. Oh my god, it is mm-hmm. super entertaining. Yeah. And again, as you said, the character moments are really intimate. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, it makes the most of that three and a half hours. Yes. Could I have used an hour less? Sure. <laughs> I could have used a shorter cut. Fair. But I, I think, yeah, he used all of those minutes effectively. Um, what else would you credit uh, this movie as creating? Mm, as far as like uh, what was the influence tell me more about the influence because I just don't know a lot of that stuff I mean a lot of it is just reworked throughout the, the the generations I mean you still see it today especially in Star Wars like I was saying it's it's very prominent in action films very much like the way you shoot action films today and the way you edit your action films today yep. is kind of remarkably influenced by this movie which is interesting it's a lot of the technical stuff similar to how Citizen Kane sort of revolutionized cinematography yep. this revolutionized uh Certainly the way you would edit your films, edited by Kurosawa, by the way. Yep. And uh, But also the way you construct your story right. more than anything. And uh, you can see that through pretty much everything that comes on, comes along afterwards. It's, it's kind of amazing seeing the, the uh, what's almost like the... Like the genes of this movie, like in like getting into other films mm. across history, it's like like once you see this movie and you go back and watch some of your favorite films, you're like, oh shit, mm-hmm. there it is, there it is, there it is, there it is, right? And it's it's more than evident, even in something like Apocalypse Now. If I'm being completely honest, really, you just mm. see like traces of like the way he would shoot like a wide shot, right? And the way like action would flow from like one end of the frame to another, and the, or the way it would pay off, or just the the odyssey that they go on. It's very very similar to the way Kurosawa would approach this material, which makes sense because um, Francis Ford Coppola was so inspired by Kurosawa. All himself. of those guys were, yeah. Oh my God, the film brats is. It, I, I I sometimes also cite the fact that the fact. This movie influenced so many of the film brats, mm. almost makes it <laughs> like the most important film. But I mean, just by virtue of that, right? Because they went on to make the other most important films yes. ever made, right? So, mm-hmm. so I always say, like, if it wasn't for uh, Seven Samurai, you almost don't have those guys, right? And then you don't have Hollywood as we know it. Yeah, exactly right. So. Um, 
I, I read that it's credited as the first modern action movie. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Many now commonly use cine, cinema, cinematographic. Cinematographic? Cinematographic. That's a Cinematrific. weird word. Uh, and plot elements such as slow motion for dramatic flair mm. and the reluctant hero. Yep. So these are some character beats. Yeah, you sort of have to know that stuff going into the movie to truly appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I could actually recommend this movie to people that like action movies. Oh, absolutely. I think I could. Mm-hmm. Me too. Mm. Which is something I didn't expect going into it. Mm. I was expecting to watch an artifact, and mm. I think I actually watched no. a movie. Mm. I was going to say, like, I, I would have been shocked if you came to me and you said you had your criticism again of it's just an artifact. I'm like, dude. Right. No, no and I, I, no, I didn't feel not. that way. In fact, I think it's a better movie than Ron. Uh, wow. may, no, it probably is a better movie than Ron. I have a, a soft spot for Ron. Yeah. So it, it, that's usually what I cite as my favorite Kurosawa film, but this is probably a better movie. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. What movie would you recommend to have people get into Kurosawa? What's in Point of Entry, madam? Yojimbo. Yojimbo. Okay. That's the most accessible? It, that movie's just awesome. Okay. Like, you just want a badass movie, just want, Yojimbo is just the best. Okay. I Any fucking, of his noir movies? Like, uh, hmm. like Stray Dog or something, Drunken Angel? Drunken Angel is good. Mm. Uh, I- Ikaru. Ikaru. Okay. Ikaru, yeah. That's, That's just a beautiful mm. movie. Okay. Cool. Anything else about Seven Samurai? You've been dying to talk about this movie. Oh, go oh, ahead. Oh, what about the performances? Oh, the perform like again. Well, we, there's just how this is what I, I always say. Like, if you're gonna make an epic like this, like make well drawn, like lo- kind of lovable people. Yeah. Like, almost every single one of them are like that. And you yeah. know what the best thing about it is, is that they give proper introductions to the characters. Yes. Which I love. That that tell you so much about who they are. But it's efficient though too. Yeah. It's economical. They don't. They don't like over explain it. They'll just show you a visual motif or they'll, you know, there's the one scene where the samurai is crying over the baby in the village mm-hmm. and it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's sort of a parallel between his childhood and now and yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's subtle in the characterization, but I was actually shocked how well drawn these characters were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really was. Uh, I agree with you 100% on that. What else do you want to say about it, Adam? Uh, um, the um, uh, Kichiro's arc to Shiro Mifune. His arc is like one of my favorite character arcs ever. Right. I fucking love where he where he ends up at the end of this film. His and, bear ass. I'm sorry. I love that bear ass. <laughs> yes. That's a yes. nice That's Asian a nice bear ass. <laughs> yes. Very good old. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. And <laughs> Japan's ass. That really is Japan's ass. Oh boy. You know it might as well be. Uh, I also have to say uh, uh, set pieces that take place in the rain. Yes. Phenomenal. Stunning. Oh my white. god. Looks stunning in black and white. And gritty and nasty, but just like, oh, it's it's so intense. I love it. I love it so much. This is yeah, this movie is it's perfect. I love this movie. And had its claws in much of Hollywood. So yeah. there you go. Even still to this day with The Last Jedi with that final okay. sequence where um uh, uh Kylo Ren faces Luke. Mm. Like that shot with them just standing like at opposite ends of the frame is like directly ripped from that scene here. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fun fact. Cool. Yeah, again, look up all those side-by-side comparisons. Okay. and There's a lot of scholarship Everywhere. written about mm-hmm. Seven Samurai, and if you took a film class in college, you were probably at least introduced to the material. I did not see it. In th- I saw it all mm-hmm. on my own. I was like, you know what? I want to see this movie. Yeah, it was never mm-hmm. brought up in any of my classes either, yeah. but um, yeah, that's one that you just hear cited over and over again. So if you're like a cinephile and you're into this stuff and you want to see where Scorsese takes some of his influences and where Spielberg and George Lucas and 
Coppola got all of their stuff. Yeah. This is a movie in order to get the full picture. Yes. Necessary. Yeah. Okay. You ready, folks? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Make your cases, everybody. Jabril. Yes. What is the best movie on this list? What's the best movie? Um, on the Waterfront, for me. Mm. Interesting. That's just one question. Adam, what is the best movie on this list? Uh, Dialem for Murder. <laughs> <laughs> Seven Samurai. Okay. I believe the best movie on this list is On the Waterfront. Mm. Okay. Mm-mm. Good. Next question. Jabril, mm. what is the most influential movie on this list? Seven Samurai by a mile. Adam, what is the most influential movie on this list? Uh, Seven Samurai by a mile. And I agree. Okay. What is the most iconic movie on this list, Jabril? Godzilla. <laughs> no, I think that's the correct answer. Um... between Godzilla and Seven Samurai. I and can't I'm, decide. And I'm going to go with Godzilla. Yeah. All right. So here's what we've just done. We've crossed out three movies. <laughs> Get I out of there. never would have thought that Godzilla would have been in the top three for this. I but there it is. You know, this is one of my favorite years that we've done. <laughs> because no matter what happens, I won this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dark day for all of us. The day that Adam won. Oh, damn, dude. <laughs> all right, man. So we got two Japanese movies and an American classic. That's yeah. what we got. So Funny year. Do we defend the homeland here or do we uh, give it to the Asians? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> Well, with that statement... We dropped two bombs on them. They need a win. <laughs> you know what? We dropped two bombs on them. We, we owe it to them to give this this prize on Too Many Thoughts. Ooh. There we go. You know what? What? Without us, there wouldn't be a gun sell us. That's true. It's <laughs> a good point. It's a good point. So on the waterfront win, wins retroactively? I don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, let's, let's, let's think about yes, this let's, here. Let's think about this. <sighs> okay. Uh, damn it. All right. Let's pick. All right. So we're saying Godzilla's iconic. Yeah. Best legacy. Mm-hmm. On the waterfront, impact. Seven. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Seven Samurai impact on the waterfront quality. No, I would say both on the waterfront and Seven Samurai impact and quality. But I think. Okay. So that's the question now. We yeah. have to look for some sort of tiebreaker here. On the waterfront, as far as method acting, and you know, mm. it introduced a whole generation of people to method acting. We can get Al Pacino from Robert Duvall, and the list goes on mm. and on and on. So I think I'm with that, you. Which is nice. Yeah. Um, and I think Seven Samurai, I think On the Waterfront and Sam, Seven Samurai are the two best movies. I think yes. Godzilla is probably a distant third yes. in I, that. I agree. Hmm. Your window. Yeah. Well, okay. that's gone already, Jabril. I know. I don't know that. if you were following. Sorry, Jabril. I, I, got, I got the pen, I motherfucker, that. and I just crossed it off. You know yeah, what? I know. Fuck your rear window. I don't give mm. a shit about no, I love rear window. <laughs> I adore it. I adore it. But like. Uh, Fuck my rear window. Oh, my goodness. Whoa. <laughs> Ooh. I like how you turn that around, Jabril. <laughs> Clever. I like that. Um, I like how you turned him around, too, Adam. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so I'm all right with crossing Godzilla off, even though it feels kind of weird. I feel bad it's about weird, it. weird. But yeah, it, yeah I, think it's, no, I think it's far and away the most iconic mm. in that way. It's, it's, oh, but God. I don't think it's the best, and I don't think it's the most influential. No. Well, I don't think it, it, it has a case for either of those two. You know uh, what I mean? Certain, I mean, in a certain case for influential, just in the yeah. wake of monster movies in general. And the way you, you you would orchestrate movies like that. I'm sure it's impacted a number oh, God. of great it, filmmakers as far as... Certainly yeah. the, the way you build to the reveal of the monster. I mean, absolutely. But 
But there I, were monster movies before Godzilla. Yes. Right? King Kong was around before Godzilla. Oh, yeah. And that's certainly a more important movie. Mm, yeah, it's arguable. Yeah, it's arguable. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Okay. I'm all right with crossing it off, though. I feel bad about it, but it, yeah. yeah, it probably should. Yeah. Mm. There it goes. All right, Godzilla. You did good, though. Well, this is actually really close. Yeah. How did I know it would come down to this? <laughs> I didn't know this would come down oh, to come this. Oh, come on. I didn't think you'd like Seven Samurai. I thought it'd be on the waterfront and the star is born. Really? No. What? Yeah. No, no, no. 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 I, I wasn't, I didn't think you'd like I, Seven I Samurai. Ad, I adored A Star is Born. I yeah. thought it was incredible. Okay. But, um, mm. So here's what we're left with. Mm. Do you feel strongly one way or the other, Jabril? Yeah, give me a minute. <laughs> I think Seven Samurai is better. I really do. So what? what's the criteria at this point? Well, I think, again, we're looking at the three categories. Legacy, impact, and quality. That's what we're looking at. Oh, fuck. Did it change something? Mm. Is it remembered fondly? Mm-hmm. And is it the best movie? That's really what we're debating here. Mm. I get that it's close. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. It's very close. At least I could have had class. In terms of quality. It's iconic line there, man. I get in terms of quality, it's very close. I, uh, Seven Samurai is just like like a like a mammoth of a film, though, yeah. in terms of iconography and we legacy. We wouldn't have Star Wars without it. That's, That's yeah. one thing. That's just one notch. So I don't know. Which is not necessarily right. a good thing. I'm ready to vote. I, I just... I, yeah. I'll go first. Okay. On the waterfront. It's my vote. Adam Hall, you go next. Seven Samurai. All right, Jabril. Welcome to the podcast, buddy. All righty. It's your first tiebreak situation. Jabril decides who gets in the movie Hall of Fame. (laughs) I'm so sorry, Marlon. It's Seven Samurai. Okay. All right. Congratulations to Seven Samurai. Let me ask you a question. Did you vote that because you knew he was going to say Seven Samurai? No. I I like on the waterfront. But regardless, I have a clapping sound effect, so congratulations. Okay. Uh, Okay. Seven Samurai <laughs> enters the movie Hall of Fame. First foreign movie. Look at no, that. No, no. False. False, yeah. What he, was the... Oh, Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. Well, I was just about to say that this is the second one that we've inducted. The second one. There we go. Pan's Labyrinth, I adore, man. Yeah. That movie is very special to me. That was actually a no-brainer that year. It was... Well, we didn't know it was going to be a no-brainer, too. We actually realized, like, oh, shit, it's fucking Pan's Labyrinth. Mm. Yeah. Well... Uh, okay. I'm happy with it. Me too. I'm happy mm. with it. Thank you, Adam Hall, for making me watch these movies. I'm yeah. amazed. How about yeah, that? I'm amazed. Like, even for Dial in for Murder to a certain extent. Like, I'm glad that we had that discussion about uh, that in a way. So, yeah. How about that? Wow. Thanks, pal. <laughs> He's thanking Adam Hall. Savor this <laughs> moment, bro. <laughs> Savor. It will never happen again. <laughs> I am I am actually surprised that this was this congenial, but... <laughs> I really enjoyed this year. I did. Me I too. liked it a lot. Even I'm, though very strenuous. I know. I know. <laughs> took a lot of time watching these movies. Which means that we are nominating a recent year now. Ooh. Holy shit. We need a break. Okay, yeah, yes. we do. May I pick a year? No. We've okay. already decided. Okay. Well, <laughs> we, not, well, I don't know. I'm open to your suggestion. What were you going to pick? 97. Oh, oh 97. No, I'm not ready to do that yet. Okay. No, I'm not okay. ready. Oh, 97. That's a good year, though. No. That's a good year. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was gonna suggest Lost Highway, because that's not the same. Right. Oh, oh. Because you haven't seen that. I have so. not. Oh, no. I have not. Because I would I have seen it and I would have nominated it. 
Plus okay. highway. Yeah, we actually uh, don't have much time because we're going to have to okay. record this one pretty soon. Gotcha. So we have to do movies that both of us have seen. Both of you have seen. Okay. Uh, so we're doing the year 2008. 2008. Next week, we'll do 97. How do you like that? That yeah. sounds good. Okay. Can I go first? Uh, yes. I think I know exactly where this is going to go. Okay. I, I, I do. I think I know exactly where this is going. All righty. So. 2008. My first pick? Yes. The Dark Knight. Okay. Well, you have... Um, listen, I appreciate you playing this uh, above the board, <laughs> but you might have just fucked yourself. We'll see, though. No. Uh, I will nominate Wally. Hmm. Hmm. And now, hmm. hmm. Did you do your research, by the way? I'm just looking at all these. You're now. just looking at it now. Yeah, there's a ton of them. Okay, you may miss a few movies then that I know you love. Because if you're just looking on Google, it doesn't tell you about a few. Yeah, I'm, f- I'm sure. So I'll be nice and I'll tell you that The Wrestler came Ooh. out in 2008. Man. You want to nominate The Wrestler. And that In Bruges came out in 2008. Yeah, no. and, so after reading. And, okay. Oh, man. <gasps> so these are a lot of movies that you love. There's a lot of good movies. Yeah. Ooh, you know what came out this year? What? Bronson. No, <laughs> no, no, actually it didn't. 2009. It I, did? I looked into that as well. I'm looking here. It came out in 2008. No, it got a limited release 2008. Went wide in 09. Dude, we've... Gone over this. What do you mean limited? Like it, it, a festival, one festival. Okay. Mm, let, me, let me see. One, can't, I looked right. this up. I'll we'll nominate that next year. Yeah. Uh, you, guys horror? you guys have done horror. What am I talking about? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because Hunger's on this list. Is Hunger a horror movie? No. No. Hunger's the most upsetting film I've ever seen. Okay. I'll watch that tonight. <laughs> Go ahead. Make your choice. Ugh. See, I, I, hmm. So again, um, I don't think this got a wide. In, oh no, I take that back. I'm sorry. You're right. Hunger. Yeah. Oh man, Hunger's so good. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna nominate In Bruges though, mm. and then I'll be careful with my last one. Yeah, let okay. the right one in. No, just let me in. I think. No, let the right one in. All right. There's a lot of confusion here. Um, <laughs> Who's on first? <laughs> Ooh, Funny Games came out. <laughs> Uh, right. What do I do? That's a now? different list. <laughs> okay. We'll get to that one. What do I do now? Hmm. Wally, really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. You have the you have Iron Man. No, Iron Man is already in. Remember? It is. Did you mention Iron we Man? We did the Marvel Hall of Fame that one. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. Yeah. Iron Man is disqualified. Okay. Sweet. As is the Incredible Hulk. All Marvel movies are disqualified from here on out. All right. All right. I'm gonna go with Doubt. Oh, nice. Good choice. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hmm. Interesting pick. See, the problem is if you go with doubt, do I do. <sighs> go wild. Do I want to do. I don't know if I want to do Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Oh, uh... hmm. See, the problem is. <clears throat> yeah, see, we wouldn't pick Hunger. <laughs> There's no way that's getting in. Uh, but it'd be just nice to. There talk. are some pretty good comedies from 2008, by the way. What, like Pineapple Express? Mm-mm. I'm thinking Step Brothers myself. I don't like Step Brothers. Really? Mm-mm. No shit. I do not like Step Brothers. And you also got Tropic Thunder. Oh shit. That yeah, being that's s- right. Ugh, that being said, I really like Taken. Now, Taken also 2009. Really? I, I looked into this already, man. I did oh, my homework. Righty, righty, righty. Hellboy 2 is fantastic. 
Okay. What about mm. Changeling, the Clint Eastwood movie? <laughs> Here, that's very good. <laughs> I haven't seen. It. Is did, that uh, did fucking Julie. Gran Torino come out seriously? Gran yeah. Torino. Uh, I I do I do quite love uh, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, but I I I want to make Nico watch Hunger, so I'm going to say Hunger. Oh okay, no! There we go. Yeah. Oh boy! Hey, you like Steve McQueen, don't you? I do, but why are you doing this? Um, <laughs> take the leap of faith, Nico. <laughs> doubt really doubt have you seen doubt yeah mm. you don't like it no <laughs> you don't really? like doubt not really what really it's pretty damn good <laughs> really mm. oh wow i didn't know that it's gonna be such a tense conversation about doubt i, I thought mean, that was a non-controversial <laughs> choice and i'll watch it like, again <laughs> i just remember seeing him be like okay well i didn't know this might be like a point of contention all right maybe i should rewatch it um i'll put the wrestler in cool let's do that okay you okay with that yeah absolutely of course okay the dark knight sure. wally doubt in bruges the wrestler and hunger wow did not think this is how it was gonna go all right that's fine no benjamin buttons okay with me i know you know that that's i thought for sure you were going in bruges benjamin button the wrestler i thought for sure have you seen benjamin button no okay all right save save yourself the trouble i've seen all but one on this list i haven't seen hunger yet you should see benjamin button actually don't listen to him (laughs) isn't that just forrest gump uh, <laughs> I've heard that, see, I've heard that comparison and I get it. I don't know if I completely agree with it, though. So long. Yes. So long. So, so it, indulgent. Oh, so uh, I hated it. It's too. great. I do not like that movie. All right, cool. That's fine. Mm. I can't wait to debate doubt with you next week. <laughs> this will be a good time. All right, that's a podcast. You really get anything else for us? Thank you guys for having me. Oh, anytime, my friend. Thank you for coming. Yay. Thanks for coming. Yes. Finally. Don't forget the fucking lotion, you bastards. <laughs> we won't. Uh, Adam, you got anything for me? What What do you mean? Like anything? Yes, anything? Anything? No. Nothing? No, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Glad that's settled. All right. Uh, we will be back to our normal contentious behavior next week. Oh, boy. As Adam and I debate the films of 2008... One of them will be inducted into the Movie Hall of Fame. Do catch up on those movies if you haven't seen them. Check out Why Is This a Thing, which is currently doing Piranaconda Month. (laughs) Somehow that became a thing. I think it's my fault. If I had said nothing... If I hadn't said anything about those movies, like, this is where my movie knowledge, like, my stupid movie knowledge really comes to bite me in the ass. Yeah. Because I just want to talk about bad taste. I've been thinking about it more and more. I'm just... I just want to review bad taste. One day. The Peter Jackson movie? Yeah. Yeah, one day. Okay. Have you seen it? I need to. God it's amazing. It. Mm. All right. So we did this movie called Piranaconda. Otherwise, you guys hated it. <laughs> uh, yeah, quite terrible. Um, <laughs> but now we have broken that up into Piranha and Anaconda. Okay. And we're going to do those movies, two Piranaconda movies and Anaconda. Mm-hmm. So next week we'll be doing one of those. Check that out. Why is this thing? Ice Cube. Wow. And Anaconda. Is that right? I believe so. And J Lo. Oh yeah. Yo. And Eric Stoltz. That's going to be trash. Yo. <laughs> yeah. Sign me up. Oh, Anacondas and Danny Trejo at the very beginning. Oh, yeah. No, did you hear he Danny saved Trejo the, saved yeah. the baby? Mm-hmm. What? So, like, he was just, like, hanging out in L.A. and a car flipped over mm-hmm. and there was a baby hanging upside down. Yeah. Like, three years old. Oh, and Danny God. Trejo 
pulled the baby out of the wreckage and saved its life. Oh, my God. Mm-mm-mm. Wow. Machete. Machete does not kill. Machete saves. <laughs> He's a national treasure, I think. Yeah. Love that guy. Uh, all the other shows, Culture, um, uh, Fantasy Book of the Month, Nico Show, all available on the website, tmt.media or too many thoughtsmedia.com. Join Jabril as a loyal patron of <laughs> this podcast and do subscribe to everything. Rate five stars, review, do all that shit. I'll be back, maybe. Ooh. Love you so very, very much. And until next time. Hmm. Who wants to say the quote? Oh, you say the, the quote. quote. What's the quote? Pick something. Go. Fuck you all. <laughs> oh, he could have been a contender, but he wasn't. He was just a very fat old man. <laughs>